If you say yes to everything, you're actually not saying yes to anything. Death was a real possibility. Positivity by itself will not sell. That kind of fucked me up. When we first met Thomas and Amar over four years ago, they had 760,000 subscribers centered around the yes theory, an ideology that believes the most enjoyable things in life are on the other side of discomfort. Their videos spread like wildfire, resulting in a global community of passionate supporters and believers. And in the last couple of years, despite many difficult challenges, their videos and their business have all leveled up. We've been fortunate to have a front row seat to their growth, having worked with them on a number of projects. Today, they have over 7 million subscribers, employees around the world, a thriving apparel brand that sponsors its own athletes, and they recently announced a feature film that they are funding via their community with NFTs. We spoke with the guys about their evolution from YouTube channel to full-blown media company, and in an effort to seek some discomfort ourselves, throughout the conversation, we pull random thought-provoking questions from their new card game, Spark. I think it's crazy, like, we've We've done this interview multiple times. Actually, we've never done this no, with no, you guys together, no, which uh -huh. is really cool. But we have had such a long relationship together. Like when we first met you guys, I remember you were like living in that house. You were sub a million subscribers mm -hmm. and you guys were just going. Like I remember the energy in that house. And I'm curious from your guys' perspective, like from that time, I think you had 700,000 subscribers to now 7 million plus like, where are you in this journey of YouTube? Before we start, yeah. I just want to congratulate you guys because you've had a just hell of a you know run recently with, with growth yeah. and people finally catching up because mm -hmm. <laughs> I think the internet has been sleeping on Colonel for way too long and I'm just so happy to see it now, you know, people being so engaged with what you're putting out with and, and your perspective about what's going on in the space in general because, yeah, it's, it's so valuable and it's always, you know, given us so much guidance as we've, you know, developed a friendship and a partnership at different times throughout our journey. So it's just amazing to, you know, see it be done on such a scalable way where you're sharing this knowledge with all creators from everywhere, you know, and on, on YouTube. So it's appreciate congratulations. That. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. We talked about it in our, in our episode about the Kanye doc, but it really feels like when I watched that documentary and like everything that was happening be behind closed doors with him, the people who believed in him, like it reminds me so much of our relationship mm. where like we were behind closed doors with you guys, but you guys were always such big champions of us as, as creators. So yeah, that's like, that means a lot. And I think right now, like this moment of growth for the business as a whole for yes theory like even sitting in front of me is the new card game spark right which is i feel like a big step for the brand and for um for for yes theory and seek discomfort as a whole mm -hmm. this is the first question i pulled and it's really relevant because we're sitting across the table from each other as two duos uh the question is what's something every couple should have in their relationship if they want it to last i think what's interesting is when we first met you guys at you know, 700,000 subscribers years and years ago, you've grown all the way up to 7 million and the Yes Theory engine of of going on adventures, creating content together, building a team and a community is continuing to expand. Mm -hmm. And for any business relationship, that's an extreme challenge, right? Colin and I are going on 10 years of working together. You guys are what, seven, seven years? Yeah. Seven years of working together. So I'm curious now as you guys are expanding, you know, and the growth is getting big from where you started, like what, what's the answer to this question? What's everything every couple should have in their relationship if they want it to last mm. as business partners? Like really good thumbnail. Business model that works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, that actually I mean, becomes the least of your worries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The first thing that came to mind was shared values. Yeah. But, you know, I think there, there's a lot of different things. Enjoying getting energy from doing the same things. And I think bonding over wanting to get out of our comfort zone as a way to grow. And then the shared value and belief that being outside of your comfort zone does bring you that growth. Yeah. I think immediately there wasn't, we didn't need to convince each other that that was true. And so since the beginning, we've believed that and it's still true to this day. And we actually continue to find, I feel like rediscover new meanings of sea discomfort. Every year, it means something different to us personally. There's mm -hmm. like the adventure side of it in the videos, but then there's how we're seeking it in our personal lives mm -hmm. that evolves and that has evolved throughout the years. Um, and so, you know, for me, seek dis seeking discomfort this year is, is quite different. I, I like, I'm trying to slow down a little bit, be more intentional with my decisions, how I live my life. And that's actually out of my comfort zone because I've been, we've been going so fast that I didn't need to slow down and think too much about how I was living my life. Mm. And now I'm trying to slow down, you know, I've been living 10 years abroad. And so I'm asking myself, okay, do I want to spend more time in Europe with my family? I miss speaking my two native languages of Swedish and French. You know, these are weird questions that I've, mm. I actually haven't even allowed myself to contemplate. And so that's like a new form of seeking discomfort of opening up. I had this idea of like, I'm in Venice, we're doing videos. This is the way that we do things. We travel all the time. There's no clear structure to my schedule. And now questioning that is a strange new form of seeking discomfort that I'm living right now. And I know that you're, you know, seeking it in, in your own life as well. And I feel like, do you agree that every yeah. year it's changing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's been the, I think that's been the most in, enjoyable, fulfilling part is to see how, seek discomfort as as a life philosophy is actually uh like self-repairing yeah you can mm -hmm. never get to a point where that becomes uh like you've put that on autopilot because you we you do what we do and you know we've gone out we've gone on hundreds of adventures where we've done them some of the most extreme things so now actually those things have become our comfort zones and we have to we have to ask ourselves like okay now that we have asked as strangers to do every, every, the yeah. most ridiculous ideas that you could think of and actually has, you know, I've been able to figure out ways where we can make that happen. Like what is the next frontier? How can we, you know, how can we empower ourselves and so that we don't mm -hmm. get sick of it or it just doesn't become yeah. this like gimmicky thing that, well, oh, you're the guys that seek discomfort, but actually like, I'm not even uncomfortable in our videos anymore. I think like the answer to the question, like when I look at that for us is, and when I hear you guys talk about it is just this authentic alignment, like to actually yes. be creative partners and business partners, you actually have to be aligned and you have to have regular check-ins to be like, are we on the same page? Yeah. Um, because it's natural. You're independent humans. You're going to grow in different ways across seven, 10 years, but then you're also working on this collective brand of yes theory, right? And, and of the videos and, and of the, uh, the brand seek discomfort. I think what's also interesting is being a creator, it's very comfortable to get into the cycle of making videos, mm -hmm. right? And competing on, can I make a better video? Can I make a better video? Can I make a better video? I found myself when we took a break after our year of growth last year for the holidays, that's when I was most uncomfortable mm. was when I was like, wait, we're not posting right now. Mm. We're not in the cycle of solving the problem. What's the thumbnail? What's the title? How does yep. this video coming together? And I think that's actually something for creators and entrepreneurs of any type that you have to start to recognize. And when you have a business partner or a creative partner, I think you have to lean on each other to get aligned of like the time that you take for yourself is incredibly important. Yeah. And that gives you energy to come back to this cycle. But the cycle of being a creator, you guys know this better than us, but it's like pretty intoxicating. 
right? The yeah, growth can get really intoxicating yeah. and that becomes your, your space of like comfort. I think too, though, it's about having a mutual respect <clears throat> and empathy for the personal change, right? That like there will be a time through the cycle where Samir and I probably feel very different about being in the cycle. Yes. Yeah. I'm plugged <laughs> in, I'm tuned in and maybe Samir wants to explore a different side of the yeah. business. And we have to communicate through that. And I have to respect that if he wants to do something different, if he declares, I don't want to be in edits anymore and that's final, then you have to be like, okay, like that's important. That, that is key to the longevity of our brand yeah, that right. I respect that and that he respects the way I'm feeling. Yeah. And I think you guys have experienced yeah. a lot of that too. Yeah. I think it's like, um, as, as something that I didn't realize early on is like people and friendships obviously evolve and you have to be on board with the different versions of that person throughout time. Right. And so that's kind of what you're saying, right? Like something that maybe Samir at some point loved being in the edits and now it's like, well, there's other things that interest me. And that's kind of what we're exploring right now. Um, You know, I mean, we'll get to talk about the doc that we're, that we're working on, but that is something that Amar brought at the start of the year. And he brought it very gracefully of like, I really want (laughs) to go all in on the doc. You know, how needed am I? on the videos and obviously he's needed. So it, it was up to me to kind of fi- define that and figure out like, here are the ways that I'm going to need you that you can't completely disappear, but mm-hmm. then you're going to have a lot more freedom to run with this new project. And I think that that, that was out of our comfort zone because for a long time it was Matt Amar and I basically in every single video, there was no, it would have to be some major exception for somebody not to at least show up for a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think COVID, forced us a little bit to reconsider these things. And then, um, you know, with Matt, who was one of the third, uh, one third of yesterday at one point, deciding to also step away. It was kind of that decision, right? Of that cycle, he was like, okay, okay, leaving it. You know, once Mm -hmm. we stopped, Mm -hmm. he got to have his bird's eye view of it and was like, I'm not enjoying being this invested in the cycle on a weekly basis. And Mm -hmm. I want to explore other aspects of my creativity at this point, writing. Um, you know, he's writing our Yes Theory book right now. And it was hard to accept that at the beginning. I was yeah. like, but wait, we, we're all in the cycle. Why are you leaving? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is what we're mm-hmm. doing every week. And mm-hmm. we've been doing it for, at that point, five years. And so it was kind of hard to gra- like wrap our head around that, what you're saying, right? Yeah. Of like one of us not being on board to be in the cycle. Mm-hmm. And so once that Band-Aid was almost ripped off and we could start thinking outside of this box that we had put ourselves in, a lot of new ideas have come up. And I think it's actually allowing us to double down on what we wanted to do with Yes Theory in the pl- first place, which is really to empower people through a variety of ways to seek discomfort. They don't just have to be a viewer of our videos, but you know, maybe somebody who doesn't watch our videos could play the card game and connect totally. with their mm-hmm. family or their friends and you know, like hear about us or not. It doesn't matter because they're now connecting with other humans. And that at, at, at the core of it is what our ambition was. It's like, how do we create something that can exist beyond the videos? Mm -hmm. And the videos is like top of the funnel. It's like a way for us to live that philosophy and and have these adventures together and share the story. But it's also a way to be able to, you know, create all of these new vehicles for people to be able to explore different ways in their lives that they seek discomfort. Yeah, I think what's, that's like beautifully said. And I think what's really interesting is when the first time I was, talking to you guys and came across the brand, 
I remember it was described to me not as a YouTube channel, but as a ideology or mm -hmm. like a philosophy. And I thought it was really interesting recognizing in that moment that, oh, the YouTube channel is a vehicle to express the ideology, yeah. but it is not the thing, yeah. right? It, it, can, it can show up in multiple different forms. And that's happened through the community. I mean, the community is insane, right? Like I've traveled through India and experienced groups of, of, of young people connecting and sharing their vulnerabilities with each other all because of the ideology, right? Of yeah, yes there. We FaceTimed. <laughs> yeah, we FaceTimed at that time um, to like, it was crazy. Like I experienced something that I, I couldn't believe. And even within that community, people getting married and connecting over this, this concept and ideology. And if you think about it, like content was the most relevant vehicle for us. Like we were actually trying to be in tech thinking that you know, that's how we're going to communicate like a mm. certain idea. Because we were both working on two projects that are very, very aligned with what Yes Theory at, right. at its core is about. Um, and I think that's what also what helps spark the initial, uh, you know, to, to your point yeah. of like the, the, the common alignment over just values and what is it that you wanted to build. But content in, the, you know, in that moment with your interest in YouTube, and you know, that, that, that's <laughs> the reason we're a YouTube channel is because Thomas has always just been interested in YouTube. He took a class at, you know, in, in university about it and started this channel. And then, you know, as, as we met in 2015, we ended up all together and we started, we started Yes Theory. But by doing it through storytelling and through content, we we're actually able to access the most amount of people that we could have mm -hmm. possibly accessed in yeah. that like time period of 2015 to 2022. And now we're actually able to build all these other tools that we might have, like that we initially wanted to build before uh, with a lot easier now because yeah. we have access to also the bigger group of people that have the shared aligned values on what is it that they want to get out of life. It's really interesting because when we talked to Mr. Beast, when we talked to Jimmy, he said something to us that was really important, I think for anyone doing anything. Mm -hmm. uh, but he said that when you're like a creator, what the biggest mistake creators make is that they start to diversify too early. Mm. Like they're making videos and then all of a sudden they get a ton of opportunities and they start 100%. to engage yeah. in all of those opportunities and the videos don't do as well. He said, if you focus on making the best videos possible, the world unlocks, mm -hmm. but you actually have to focus on that. Yeah. And, and I think what's, that's what we're witnessing with you guys right now, where you went from, you could have stopped at a million subscribers and been like, cool, now we'll open up the doors and, you know, but you're still in the cycle of making yeah. excellent YouTube content to then launch these other projects. And understanding that is what makes it so much harder when someone's like, well, I want to do something else. Right. Yeah, I'm interested in this. I yeah. mean, that's, you know, that's thanks to Thomas and this, you yeah. know, the, the, the YouTube part and anchoring and making sure that the nucleus of, you know, the main vehicle that, mm -hmm. that helped us start everything is always healthy and alive, always came yeah. through. So you must have also had that completely different perspective and seeing everybody wanting wanting to do different things throughout, you know, Matt actually taking a complete step back, you know, for me wanting to work on the doc, at least it's still within storytelling and within mm -hmm. content and I'm able, but it must have been just such a, a different experience for you. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's interesting what, what you guys were saying about what Jimmy said, because we yeah. actually made that mistake in 2017 when we hit two, 300,000 subscribers. We we're like, cool. We actually started working on a card game. We started a production company. Mm, we yeah. tried to do merch and like, you know, do it ourselves. And we tried to start four or five different projects and our content really took a hit. Yeah. And then, and we had multiple partners in these different businesses that were, you know, friends and people we'd met and connections. And then at one point we just looked at all of this and we were like, on a day-to-day -day basis, we're actually spending less and less time on videos. And so we shut down all of those projects and we had to tell our friends and 
people that have started working on these businesses that listen, like this is not, you know, we need to focus on the videos and, and really go in on that. And that was a huge inflection point for us. Like literally the moment we made that decision a month later, you know, we went from two, 300,000 to 600,000 and then to a million within, you know, another month, it was just exponential. And so wow. the, 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 and then the crazy trap becomes that we were then afraid to get out of that cycle because sure. it immediately paid off. Right. And we noticed that when we do get out of that cycle, it does, things do get a little, mm -hmm. you know, more wavy. And so now it's just about reinforcing a bit more process than we've been used to in the past, which is seeking discomfort for us, like yeah. actually having more of a plan so that we can actually, you know, make these decisions to work on things outside of the videos without compromising the videos. I think my experience with working with you guys has been that you have to leave the space for spontaneity. One of the questions, a lot of people ask me about you guys, right? They're like, oh, what, what are the guys like? And I, the, my, <laughs> all, my answer is always like, they are exactly who you think they are. They're totally like, insane. They are exactly <laughs> who you think they are. Don't get near them. Yeah, don't, don't get too close to them because then you'll end up at a skydive birthday party <laughs> with a guy going, luckily we get to do something that's never been done before today. And you're like, yeah. no, please do the thing that's always been yeah. done. But you guys are authentically uh, those guys. So, so building a process around it, of course, is what you have to do to build a business that lasts for seven to 10 years, but also leaving the room for the spontaneity. I'm, I'm curious just to now zoom in on last year, which felt like to me a year where, you know, COVID was a really challenging year in 2020, especially for a channel that travels a bunch and interacts with strangers. But in 2021, you had extreme growth with some pretty amazing adventures. I just wanted to zoom in and, and, and ask about what were some of your, your most uncomfortable and, and favorite adventures from last year? I mean, one that, that, probably stands out is, is for me to, when I traveled to Mauritania and, mm -hmm. and, uh, hitchhiked a, a, a cargo train that <laughs> yeah. was transporting yeah. iron ore. Uh, that was, that was definitely, I mean, it, it's, it's, an, it's something that I think about every week. It was just such a crazy adventure and everything lined up perfectly to actually be able to experience it at a hundred percent without being in the panic zone of your comfort zone. I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, people say yeah. that there's like your comfort zone outside of your comfort zone and then panic zone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where, where we've taken Samir a couple of times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been in the panic zone. Yeah. 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 You just may not yeah. know. Yeah. 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 I'm internalizing the panic zone. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. yeah, but Mauritania itself was, you know, it, it was, I learned so much being able to travel, travel through that country, not just the train ride itself, but I got to stay with, uh, some friends of Amar's and their family and got to learn how to eat with my hands and share the meal and, uh, you know, around like a big circle. And that was definitely both the contrast of community that I got to experience that, that, you know, families have uh, in that country. And then this extreme adventure was created this week that, yes, it's, I still think back and wonder how I even, how did I actually do that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it feels out of body a little bit remembering it because I was so present when I was there that I didn't have time to, to think about it mm. really that much of how, I, like, yeah, how extreme the whole situation was. Um, and so, you know, that, that was a video that did great for us as yeah. well. And so when, when the experience itself was exactly what I wanted it to be and more, and then the video and the story comes out also like I wanted it, um, that's always like a great, 
mm-hmm. bonus. I'm sure you guys know that feel that yeah, as yeah, well, yeah. right? Yeah. Like when you when you're in a creative project and you feel super great about it, and then people really receive it well, that's like a very fulfilling experience to to go through. That's like all the boxes were ticked. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what gets you hooked on it too, right? Like yeah, when yeah. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you have a story that you loved making and people love it back, you're like, I want to do this for the rest of my yeah. life. Behind the scenes though, like what did the process look like? Like how did you adjust to this new world mm-hmm. where you don't have Matt, Thomas, Amar every time? Like what did it look like from a team perspective to put those videos together and, and how different was that from years prior? I think that for the editing process, we tried as, we try as much as we can to, to keep that, like that's the, again, the, the power plant of, the, mm-hmm. of yeah. the whole business. So we try to keep that, to put a lot of care. So we're constantly both involved and Tommy has done just mm-hmm. such, such an incredible job, uh, just lead the team. And you know, we're, we've grown by two or three editors over the past few months. So we are constantly involved with, with these stories. We don't like, you know, uh, the experience of yesterday for us is as Thomas says, experiencing the thing and being hyper present in it, but also being just as passionate and making sure that that feeling is communicated to the people that, you know, get to watch the video. So we, yeah, we stay, we stay pretty connected and plugged to the, to the editing process. But and then on the actual planning and filming process, yeah. I think there was a lot of like getting comfortable with experimenting a lot more than we've done in the past mm-hmm. because we had to now this idea that we were three friends doing all these things outside of our comfort zones together changed. And so the larger narrative of the channel changed, the type of stories we had access to changed because we couldn't, you know, put strangers together in a room and, you know, have like a gathering. And so most of the ideas that we were coming up with that we wanted to go after weren't possible. And so we're left with very few options. And um, that was really difficult, especially in 2020, you know, looking at it, I, I definitely, burnt out, just not being able to feel like we're able to do what we want to do. We had to shut down so many projects that we wanted to pursue, which was, you know, there was a level of grief there to accept that, okay, things are changing and we can't do the things that we wanted to do and that we are, you know, would like to do today. And so, um, there was like a level of getting comfortable, trying new ideas. And, you know, we had a good rhythm in 2018, 2019, where we knew what we were going to put out was going to you know, perform a certain way. And we, we had like a gradually evolved people into different scale and trying to do documentaries and, you know, very intentional experiments. And now we went from that to, okay, we have to try a lot of different things based on what's accessible and what we feel like could be interesting in the current climate. And, um, and who's available. Huh? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And, yeah. And Amar, you're in a situation where you can't travel as much yeah. in 2021, yeah. but yeah. Thomas, you can, and there's new characters showing up yep. on the channel. What was that like? For you to experience that really tough yeah and to just you know the, it really got to me not being able to leave the to leave the u.s and already having you know for my for my entire life having felt that constriction with having an egyptian passport it was just really tough to because the, the real problem was actually my u.s visa had expired at the beginning of covid and there was because they shut down all u.s embassies around the world i couldn't i couldn't go uh get an interview and, and actually get it renewed so that's why I couldn't leave uh if I wanted because I would just be stuck I mean luckily that I knew that there was another process in the background brewing so you know I didn't completely lose lose my mind over just being you know just locked here in 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 LA and not being able to travel and that was that I was applying for uh, a new citizenship to a small Caribbean island called St. Kitts Mm -hmm. St. Kitts and Nevis and 
Um, You're an island boy. I'm an island boy. <laughs> I'm an island boy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm Caribbean Egyptian now, wow. which is wild. Yeah. That's actually still crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And I haven't been yet, so I look forward to visiting, you know, homeland. How many people yeah. have a citizenship to a country they, they've never been to? <laughs> I haven't even been. You haven't even been close to that country. Yeah. Uh, Puerto Rico is the closest that I've that I've been to, which is and yeah, very close to the St. Kitts, but seeing the, at least being, having that light at the end of the tunnel, knowing that very soon that my situation would change helped a lot yeah. kind of keep me. Yeah. Uh, and, and then also taking the time to being here to focus on something that required more of like singular focus, which that is the most out of my comfort zone thing that you know yeah. I can think of. That was the, the documentary and the development of that. Cause you know, we went through a whole process of pitching it. And um, so yeah, I took the time to just really, you know, develop a new muscle that yeah. I wasn't necessarily using when in the fast pace of just moving every week or right. um, filming a lot. And I think like between you guys, what's interesting is speaking of the documentary. And even when I look back at the the last two years, like free child sticks out to me as mm -hmm. a, as a piece of content that mm -hmm. was very unique, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was a story that's told completely differently. Um, very engaging, very like different. I remember when I watched it and I was like blown away by it. Um, and contrasting that with Thomas, who is also telling wild stories, like your trip to Afghanistan is one of my favorite videos Amazing on YouTube, yeah. period. Yeah. Like period that the, the scene mm -hmm. when you go into like an alley and smoke a joint with a bunch of Afghan locals is like <laughs> one of the most, it makes you just want to travel. Like you want to get on a plane and be like, I want to go experience mm. whatever life has to offer me, you know, <laughs> on the other side of this. Plane. I think as like friends and storytellers too, who've been watching you as a storyteller, it was such an exciting moment to see a friend of yours push to a new limit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. where yeah. You're like, Oh, he's still pushing. Mm -hmm. And, and on both of these thoughts, like the, what I wanted to bring up was the world of YouTube is moving in this direction of like heavily focused on, you know, title, thumbnail, retention, data. How much does that impact what you guys are doing? Um, because, you know, as you, as you mentioned, like with Free Child, I think that was like a story that was told completely differently um, with even like thinking of an idea of going to Afghanistan or Iraq, like you're putting the experiences first, it feels like, mm -hmm. or the story first before, um, but how much do you think about how it fits into the world of YouTube? We think about it quite a bit, but it's it's never been the driving force. Right. Um, and we've like broken a lot of rules constantly, sure. you know, and I think sometimes at the expense of performance, but we're at peace with that because the for us, what matters more is being able to look back at it in 20, 30 years and be like, okay, cool. You know, we made decisions that had integrity mm. and like we felt like, we could sleep at night, you know, we didn't yeah. feel like we totally like sold out and try to just push the algorithm and like start a video, you know, screaming or whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like, it, it's <laughs> start a video <laughs> screaming. Yeah. Yeah. You also want to make sure your videos still retain value because I feel like yeah. sometimes if you follow the algorithm too much, you can come up with an idea that has no value and doesn't necessarily make right. sense. Like, right, right, like right. I created the world's biggest pizza and then delivered it to someone here and then did that. And you're mm -hmm. like, well, why? Yeah. Right. For what purpose outside of a thumbnail? Right. Yeah. And I think there is a bit of a, cause we didn't start making videos for the sake of making videos. And I think there is a, there are people going on experiences, but you can tell it's only for the sake of it's a good title and thumbnail. Mm. Whereas for us, what sometimes also makes it difficult is the, do we want to actually, are we actually interested in this experience at all is important to us. And we're trying to 
also use the videos to be a vehicle for our own growth and self-development. And so it can't just be a random idea and title. And whenever we, you know, I, I see it as a bit of a dial, right? Like we, you can dial it up to a hundred of like optimization and title yeah. and thumbnail caring about that. And then you can go down to zero and like really just want to do this experience or this creative project. And I think it's about finding a good balance, but whenever we've turned the dial a little too much, I think we all have different comfort levels with it, but whenever it turns up a little too much, it mm -hmm. all, it feels wrong. Right. Yeah. And even mm -hmm. our audience, I think over time starts to feel disconnected because I don't think that our audience is necessarily also the same that watch like other mainstream sure. yeah. YouTubers. I think our audience is quite different. I've noticed that even getting older people mm -hmm. that recognize us on the street are getting older and older. Like it's, I don't think mm -hmm. I've been recognized by anyone under the age of 20 in a long time. Um, and so I think people react to different things. And when they see that we're trying to play the game too much, some of the comments are like, don't play the game guys, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, just right. do your thing. Yeah. Like just, uh, I mean, we know you don't, you're, you didn't care about this video, you know, like, mm. yeah. and those are the comments that sting when they're right. The true <laughs> ones are the worst. Yeah, yeah. 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 When yeah. it's like, when you didn't care about the video, you know, you did it and, and people can tell you didn't care. Um, and so now it's just like bringing it back to making videos. We enjoy doing the creative challenges that we feel inspired to do. And then making sure we're, we're cognizant of like why people subscribed and, you know, understanding how the platform is, is working and changing and evolving, but not letting that be the guiding principles for why we do what we do. Cause as you said, otherwise you're going to end up doing filming things that you're like, this is just a good title, but I have no idea why I'm doing this. Yeah. It makes no sense. And uh, yeah. yeah. What is like the Disney map of Yes Theory? Mm -hmm. You know, like if the core is the the center, the YouTube channel with, you know, the uploads on that channel, what are the other entry points to the ideology and how is that expanding? Yeah, I mean, Seek Discomfort is a yeah. big node that, you know, exists to, to provide more of exactly that. So, you know, what was it, 2018, we just decided that we've, we were using Seek Discomfort as our motto uh, all the time and it was really resonating and we could see that in the comments. So we decided to, to start, you know, Seek Discomfort uh, uh, clothing to and, and have that be our main, like our supporting business that helps us create these stories. And as we were pushing the, you know, the limits on the quality of ideas and, and the trips that we were, that we were making, we we needed something on the side to be able to, you know, support in that. So, you know, with Create Seek Discomfort and the audience had such massive appetite towards it. And, you know, with Seek Discomfort, we, over the past few years, we've developed a few, a few products that, you know, also help push the, the ideology out. I mean, the main thing is just when you have it on your chest and have uh, having that be the entry point for a conversation for a complete stranger to come up and be like, I really like that. What's crazy yeah. is like, you guys say that, but just to reiterate, that's very real. Anytime <laughs> I'm wearing Seek Discomfort, someone goes, hey, that's cool, man. What does that, yeah. like, what does that mean? Yeah. And then it just naturally has this conversation, it's, right? Again, it's that's why even like the lightning bolt is right. the icon of the brand because in, in our minds, it is such a, like a, it, it has the, the power to spark something. Yeah. A mm -hmm. curiosity or, or, you know, for someone to agree with it right. or to ask about it. And that's where we just feel like there is so much potential with what we can right. do with Seek Discomfort. And, and I, I don't even think that clothing is the most like optimized product for sure. our mm -hmm. audience. I think something like this is 100%. more, yeah. is, is more fit for the type of people that I know watch our videos and also their appetite to live 
some of these moments that they're constantly get to, mm -hmm. to watch us uh, do. Um, I think the, the reason why clothing does make a lot of sense though, and we've talked about this a lot with Seek Discomfort is that it's, you know, it's a way to identify that you're a part of the community. Yeah. So I was wearing Seek Discomfort at a coffee shop in Ojai and I go to pick up my coffee. And as I'm grabbing my coffee, uh, the, the woman behind the counter just looks at me and goes, my parents are immigrants too. And I was like, what? And she was like, I listen, I just finished your podcast with, with Amar and Thomas on the Yes Theory podcast. And I was like, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I love when people don't introduce themselves. They just start the conversation. But I that was that. just this, this, this point where it was like, well, we're both part of the same community. Like we can just pick up the conversation. Yeah. Mm. And I thought that was like so powerful to think about mm. that this was an identifier that we were both part of the same community. Mm. It's the lowest lift way yeah. to identify. Yeah. And then on top of that, you can have spark. Right. You can play the game. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Seek Discomfort with its different products are one entry point. Um, Just as a note, I was a part of the first Seek Discomfort fashion show. That's you true. Were. Yeah, I was yes. a model in case yeah. anyone was wondering. Yes. Oh my God, so we were so nervous. Before. I was so upset. nervous. It was, huh? Colin's a little upset. Yeah, he, he didn't uh, get my invitation was yeah, lost. Yeah. yeah, must have been lost. We were keeping Colin for the, yeah. for the, for the big jobs later on. <laughs> yeah. Particularly the lost pyramid where right. he lost his yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. I did, I lost my mind on the lost pyramid, yeah. I think I have a video of you asleep at like 2 p.m. But was I standing up ball. also? Like, <laughs> when you're like yeah. in a ball in the corner. Yeah, I, I thought you were just about that whole experience. <laughs> and I think I showed up with an empty tank already right. from yeah. previous projects. Like I yeah. was already out of gas. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we decided to drive cross country. Right, yeah. Yeah, I remember being a part of that original Seek Discomfort launch in the, in the old house where <clears throat> I show up to the backyard and all of a sudden I see this massive structure in the backyard that's been built. And I was like, what is happening? And I was just getting to know you guys. And I remember feeling like, oh, they actually think things are just possible. You know, they actually believe that because I was so at that time in my life, very blocked by a lot. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, well, these people can do that, but I can't do this. Right. Like I can go up to this level, but I can't go beyond that. And you know, you guys invited us over one time and you're like, we have a restaurant in our backyard. We're going to be the top rated restaurant. Here's some oysters. And we show up and there's like a straight up restaurant. And then, you the know, The slimiest, hey, biggest oysters. <laughs> You've ne you had never tried oysters. I've never had an oysters. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like, here's, you know, a fashion show and we're going to launch a brand. Okay. And then we show up and there's like an actual structure in your backyard. Or, hey, I think we want to try and jump out of a helicopter with Will Smith. Okay. Yeah, sure. Maybe. Oh, wow. We're here in the Grand Canyon doing it. Right. And Amar's jumping out of this helicopter. Yeah. And I think even with the, you know, with the projects that, that we continued to see you guys do, there was this like, you guys just didn't have as big of a block mm -hmm. and it was fascinating to see. And so I think the brand, even watching the brand of Seek Discomfort grow has kind of opened my eyes, especially you, Amar, when I talk to you about the brand of where you think the brand can go, like your mind goes all the way. Yeah. And I think it's such a powerful thing of this wearing Seek Discomfort, being a part of the community. The nice thing is that when you are a part of a community, other people can push you, right? Mm -hmm. Like just even us being a part of the same creative community, you've pushed us. Uh, and, and even like a small thing, but I just got done doing six weeks of improv class because I very vividly remember when Thomas did it. And just thinking about, I was writing in the beginning of this year, I was like, that's something I've always wanted to do. I should push myself. Like it was so uncomfortable to do that, mm. to get on stage and do improv <laughs> is an uncomfortable <laughs> thing to do. Um, 
And it's just wearing it and being a part of the community allows you to lift some of that block. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you're gonna go jump out of a helicopter, but you might just push a little bit further. Yeah. And I think that's where community uh, comes into play. And I think your guys' product is not as much the viewership, right? The, the like, whatever the viewership is, albeit it's super high with you guys, but whatever the viewership is, the actual product is that community and like someone transforming. It's yeah. transformative, right? They actually get to transform over the years. Um, I think that's one of the most powerful things. Mm. Thank you guys for always like seeing, you've seen it yeah. so early and you know, this is, so it, when yeah. we say with you and when we get to talk about this thing that we've put so much yeah. work and love in and, and to have it be, to feel that it's so seen by right. you know other creators, it's just like it. Yeah, it's the it's the best feeling ever. So so on this topic of you know you kind of always pushing pushing the boundaries of of what the brand is doing, um, I have a question that is teed up that you that is great question. And I know it's your question in this uh, card game. Um, what is your moonshot? A dream that is so big it scares you. From the dreamer himself. Oh wow! Well, I'll talk about the most relevant one, the one that yeah. I want, to, like in, in this the timeline of the next year. Yeah, uh, I would like for Project Iceman documentary to win an Oscar at uh, the Oscars in twenty twenty three. In twenty twenty three. Yeah. Okay. Next year. So let's let's give us some background. Yeah, give us some background on, that, background on this yeah. documentary. When did this start? What is it? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So in November of twenty nineteen. Matt and I were on, on our way back from Norway after filming an episode with making a subscriber's bucket list item come true. And we were in London about to board our flight to LA. And I had the, I remembered this guy that I had FaceTimed with a few months before because people had been DMing me saying, this is the younger, better looking uh, uh, Iceman. I was like, wait, what are they talking about? And I go to this profile and his name is Anders Hoffman. He's Danish. And he had in his bio that he wants to do the first ever Ironman in Antarctica. And having seen Matt just doing an Ironman and having just done, gone on the, on, the, on the adventure with Wim Hof in Poland, I had context for how cold, you know, cold water is when you want to swim or, or stay in it for a long time, but also the context of how much work it is to, to train for an Ironman. So in my mind, I was like, I kind of like dismissed it a bit. I was like, uh, it's such an amazing, that's such a great ambition, but fuck, that's really, really hard and logistically all, near impossible to pull off. But I remember also when I FaceTimed Anders, I just felt something that was beyond um, uh, needing to think about the logistics too much. There was like a certain quality to his spirit and to, the, to his confidence and how, how much he really wanted to make this happen and also the why behind it. Basically, he wanted to, to show the world that limitations are perceptions and that you know the ordinary can achieve the extraordinary. So he, um, we ended up at the airport completely changing the plan. And I told Matt, like, you know, we've always wanted to sponsor someone with seek discomfort. Uh, you know, taking a page out of yeah. Rebel's book, and you know, mm -hmm. with all the amazing things that they get to sponsor and and the dreams that they get to 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 support, we you know wanted to have a, a similar experience to that. So uh, we end up calling Thomas, and then we call the Seek Discomfort team here. We're like, can we pull this off? Can we show up to Copenhagen uh, tomorrow and like figure out what Anders needs and, and and give it to him? But with that, maybe like prepare a little seek discomfort package of like 
clothing. So we ended up doing that. Everybody said yes. And we changed our flights from LA to going to Copenhagen. We ended up meeting, meeting Anders, uh, completely blew us away with just his, the, the commitment that he had put into the project, the foresight and knowing that this is a story that has the potential to inspire the world and being so adamant on capturing it so well. Like, you know, for him as he's just, he was a business consultant who quit and decided that that's what he, that he wanted to do. So uh, he ended up, um, we ended up offering him a $15,000 sponsorship to help him with the expedition to Antarctica, which was happening a few months later. And that was kind of like his intro to our community and to our audience. We ended up making a video that um, went out in November of uh, 2019. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had met him in October, came out in November and people were very excited about his mission and he just received such an overwhelming amount of support from the community. And the conversation continued with Anders, you know, as he was setting up for expedition, we just realized that there's such huge potential with if he's able to do it, if he's able to come back alive, that story will be just absolutely incredible. And big if. Yeah. 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 I remember when you, you called me about this project and that if (laughs) was real, that if was the biggest, if was real, that they had to, to travel to Antarctica is incredibly dangerous. Yeah. And death was a real possibility. The most possible possibility in anything that we've ever done or been involved with. And, and that, that the thing is that the decision here wasn't like Anders is, is going as like a, a seek discomfort athlete. There's yeah. so much on the line. If our first ever experiment yeah. with wanting to support a dream and dreamers yeah, and all yeah. that is to send someone who was going to go die on, on Antarctica. Like, and I mean, you've, you were a part of some, some yeah, of these I calls know. because, yeah. you know, we were consulting on the project yeah. and, but, but that's, you know, that's the part that, that I think I've learned to. To, to trust myself with just like there's a certain quality of that you can feel in a human and how, and, and, and how much their why drives what they're doing. Mm. Like I knew that Anders was gonna, that I knew that Anders would go to Antarctica and there would nothing that stops him from doing it, but he's also not gonna come back a dead man. <laughs> And that was, let me tell you what went through my mind when you, when you called me about this project. And as I started to see the yes theory projects have higher and higher stakes. Right. Yeah. And like, but, but the stakes were increasing at the same time as like the why was increasing. Right. Yeah. Which I think was really powerful. But my immediate thought was like, remember when we just would throw a dinner at a stranger's house <laughs> guys remember yeah. that time yeah. what was about, that so wrong was that so wrong you know that was like one of the first videos we ever made together like yeah. let's you know what about let's go back thro- to that throwing yeah. a dinner here in venice and <laughs> inviting fun people and or you know send yeah. a guy to antarctica and potential death looming over yeah. his head you just never want to <laughs> risk that headline that starts like these youtubers right i just want to steer clear of that yeah, yeah. But L- luckily, Colin is going to be the second person to right. do the exactly. yeah. Yeah. Antarctica. Exactly. That's, that's going the big setup week. for the sequel. Um, I can never tell, even yeah. if you're joking or not. <laughs> like my heart rate is like, I'm like, are they serious? Is someone about to kidnap me? Yeah. <laughs> we have talked about kidnapping. You. I know, right? That's yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why this fear we have real. had brainstorms. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, palms <laughs> <laughs> are sweating. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Anders ended up in actually. Wow, this is crazy. This time, yeah. Two years ago. That's right. Anders was, uh, had just finished the race on Antarctica. And he was, after 
the realest confront with death that you can imagine and and footage that will perfectly perfectly reflect yeah. what that was like i just uh, want to say i've seen a lot of the footage i don't want to give anything <laughs> away about this movie because it's no no we'll it, give you guys yeah. some access to yeah. some of the i but mean this is I, the footage is incredible um the story is amazing and i think what's always amazing in the times that we've worked with you guys and specifically on the long form documentaries that we've worked with you guys on. And the first one, we had a week to put it together and I was like, this can't happen. And then we have a screening at the end of the week and it's amazing. Right. And you're like, that video I think has 15 million views on YouTube. Right. And then the next one, the lost pyramid that felt like a, a literal mountain that we could not climb. And then yeah. we climbed it and it was a success. And with this one too, I think when you originally called me, I was so overwhelmed by the concept of this project and then seeing the footage and seeing how the movie came together, it's like so many people I feel like around you, including myself at times, yeah. had doubts about this movie and continued to, right? I mean, this movie came back and it's amazing footage and you're like, this should, you know, what, what did you want to do with the movie? And I guess, where is it today? Like, where's this movie? Oh, that's a great question. Cause that was, that was a whole ice man on itself. <laughs> like right. the process of actually coming back, you know, the team coming back with the footage, which, I mean, by the way, they arrive to Europe on March 14th, 2020, the day of global lockdown. So you can only imagine a group of guys that spent 40 days at the edge of the world coming back to a shutdown world right. and all the dreams of celebrating the moment and having that, that real closure for, for this traumatic experience that they just went through was just never something that never actually got, they got the experience together. So, you know, that's, there was there was a lot of responsibility and 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 you know pressure and making sure that you know um, um, we're honoring them what the team has put on the line for to come back with this footage and making sure that the film has the most amount of resources available to it to actually come together in the way that we have always envisioned it you know coming together. Um, so you know our our instinct was. You know, it was a time where, uh, I mean, for us, we were dealing with having to reinvent the business. <laughs> yes, theory was thriving over, uh, over like the friction with the world and hugging people and traveling to places. And all of a sudden, none of that, you know, could happen. So we were in like problem solving mode for the business. And we thought the the most, what made the most sense in that point in time was to actually take the project to market and pitch it to every single streamer out there. Um, project had, I mean, obviously like, all these executives were just blown away that we had a team on Antarctica mm -hmm. days before the world shut down. I mean, you can imagine, yeah. I mean, you know how <laughs> the industry was here during 2020. So, so much appetite for the project, all this like positive feedback. They couldn't believe that the footage that they, we came back with because they, because like they have tried to send teams before and they know just logistically how insanely impossible this is. We end up getting a catch with uh, arguably the biggest streamer in the world. And we went all the way about a year and a half of negotiations and going back and forth. We ended up getting a deal for $1.25 million for the film to, to be made and to be distributed at the highest level. But, you know, very, very quickly, uh, after, particularly after the first production meeting that I, you know, sat in on, it was just very evident that that is not a process that will lend itself to actually getting, making the film what it deserves to be. There was just too many people in the room. There was too, too, too many opinions and too many people who aren't even invested as invested as every single person up until that point was. And that was like a non-negotiable for me and for, for all of us in, in this, that we end up completely saying like, you know what, 
we will find, we will figure out a way to do this ourselves. We have the most amazing community that is that has always stood behind projects like this and to really push the envelope and what we do creatively. And we just said thank you, uh, <laughs> which was a whole process by itself because the money was in the pipeline <laughs> yeah. already. Thank and, you and, is a short way to describe yeah. <laughs> what it took to walk yeah. away from that. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> not gonna work out anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and and we just decided and we decided to see what what's available to us to actually be able to put out the project in a way that is true to the ethos of the very thing that it stands for. Yeah. Limitations of perceptions. And maybe we didn't think that we could make we could make the film without a big, mm-hmm. you know, big check be behind it. But we had to really push against that and realize that you know there's with Web three and with NFTs and on the technology that is available right now, you could actually make this happen. And yeah. I mean, we're recording this before before the project comes yeah. out, so I have no idea how this is gonna, <laughs> yeah. how this is gonna do. But I I have I have faith, I have trusted the community, and I know that this is gonna be a very meaningful and impactful NFT project that will actually have something very tangible, cha- tangible and real come out of it that will be there forever because at some point in 2022, the film will be available on YouTube. Uh, and that was, that was also a, a huge des- deciding factor for us is can this film be accessible to anyone, anytime without the restriction of, do they have a credit card to, to be able to, to access this, you know, this store. So for us to be able to, you know, we ended up setting up an NFT. I, again, we're recording this a lot yeah, early, yeah, so there's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of unknowns, yeah. but we we end up going the NFC route and and uh, we'll see we'll see how it, we'll see how it goes but you know we've already we're hundreds of hundreds of thousands of dollars in and in investing into this so our backpack is over the fence long time ago and you know we're we just trust as I said that people will come through and what I've pictured manifested visualized hundreds of times at this point is just being on stage at the Academy Awards and thanking every single person that has bought the NFT because that is so much more powerful than thanking X or Y, Z who are like the, you know, the multi-billion dollar corporations that have done this. I mean, I, I obviously we'll see how it plays out, but I think it's one of the best decisions you could have made, right? Like, because what makes you guys different is the fact that you have built yourselves in a different way, a community backed way. Yeah. And even with the films that you've put out in the past on YouTube, you know, there was the first one went out for free. The second one was pay what's fair and went out for free after and that. And then went out for free, free after yeah. that. Yeah. Even free child, right. Was, was like ad supported, but mm-hmm. went out for free to everyone. It's a shorter film, but it was yeah. like very yeah. intricate yeah. and the support has been there from your community. So to do it any other way would actually not be natural yeah. for how you guys have done it. And that was also, that was a big thought, you know, for us throughout the process of like, that doesn't really follow that narrative that you just described. Right. Like yeah. that kind of comes out of left field that all of a sudden we have this partner that is right. going to, you know, make, make the project happen. Like, as you said, it, it made, it made a lot more sense for this to be another community backed in a, using the current tools that are available to us that empower creators more than any other time in history. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the really exciting part is for us to have this experiment with the first project and, and hopefully it's working. If this works, yeah. the potential is endless with what we can 
do with the S theory and actually continuing to build these tools. And I also think for other artists and filmmakers yeah. to be able to fund projects using NFTs is a much more grassroots way to offer value and distribute art. Yeah. You know, that isn't relying on, um, you know, this red tape of the classic distributors that actually do have the funds and do get to make the decisions on the bigger projects because you do eventually hit a ceiling of how big you can go unless you're Mr. Beast and you have unlimited budget at some point, yeah. you know, you're going to mm -hmm. need someone to cut you a check. And if you're able to work instead directly through, you know, like the excitement of the community that mm -hmm. comes from the ground up, yeah. I think it, 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 it changes the game for any artist out there totally. to be able to go out and, and create the art that they want to make. But even Mr. Beast, as you mentioned, he's pitched to Netflix before and they've turned him down. Mm. Right. And so it's like, there's a, there's a divide between the two worlds. Mm. Um, of, of how the, this process goes. You just mentioned a year and a half of negotiations when you, you guys went to Poland, filmed something with Wim Hof and in seven days we had a video done. Right. And so like there, and a 45 minute movie. Yeah. Um, so the process is just completely different. And also this direct relationship with your community is the future. I mean, dude, is, we yeah, had, I had it. meltdowns yeah. on the phone with you. I know. Like, yeah. Talking, like, yes. Because of how <laughs> strenuous this process is. Right. It's so, it's so funny that we have, we literally yeah. shared these experiences I know. that yeah. when we were talking about that, you know exactly what I'm mm -hmm. talking about. Yeah, but yeah. I, I literally had meltdowns with Samir on the phone just being, I can't believe that many people are on this call and this is how much that came out of it. Right. Or this is how this how much more time they need to sure. to make a certain decision on, on something. And I think eventually that's what really, I mean, it, obviously it wasn't like me sitting in one in one production meeting and making yeah, yeah. the decision, that's like the straw that yeah, broke yeah. the camel's back. But before that, it was it was every part of the process that just gave made us feel like sure. that is not how we work. That is not the energy that we create with. And that was the biggest thing is like making sure that that stays consistent because otherwise the audience will not recognize it. And that would be mm. the fucking the <laughs> worst thing ever. And I think you see a lot of creators land in that trap. Yeah. I think a lot of right. when YouTube creators that have are used to making everything that they do on their own and distribute it under their own terms. When they try and go and have a bunch of other decision makers, you can kind of feel, you don't feel as connected to them right. as mm -hmm. you used to. Yeah. And so I think it's, I, I think people have yet to find a way or the traditional world has yet to find a way to allow online creators to, to thrive and shine and elevate them what they're doing rather mm -hmm. than trying to modify it and, and treat it like it should be something different. Right. And I don't know if there will be a way or, you know, I hope that there is a way, you know, that, yeah. that somebody can figure out. I mean, doing it in a more pure relationship way is probably the way, right? Yeah. Where it's like you have full creative control. Decentralizing Decent that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I have a question, like NFTs, a lot of times in Web3, like there's, there's somewhat of a negative connotation with creators in NFT, I guess at times, I would mm -hmm. say. There, it's not all positive. Um, there's a lot of considerations around NFT projects. How do you think about the world of NFTs and, and how it fits into the message of Yes Theory? I think it is, it's, it's the technology that, that can benefit Yes Theory community and Yes Theory as an ecosystem the most. Because if you, it relies on people having a belief and trust in, in a certain idea and, and, and a, you know, a, a bunch of shared values that, that they can actually put their money behind. And I think that's the, with being able to give people a sense of ownership over mm -hmm. all these ideas that they've literally seen us have from the onset is gonna 
is going to completely change the playing field for, yeah. you know, we're now seeing Silicon, Silicon Valley money come into the creator space. Right. But I think that's probably going to be like very much uh, taken over soon by if actually creators are able to, to deploy the, this trust and, and belief that, that their audience has in them with, with the right projects. I think the, the potential is so, is so much higher right. because now you're actually giving people that will use the product a sense of ownership in it, which is a different, totally. a different dynamic. Yeah, so, I, th I think like the issue arises when NFTs are used and marketed as a speculative asset. Yeah, of like get in on my creator coin now. Right, but who knows what you get? I, I mean, for yeah, us, I think utility like yeah. is really important, and that's something that Amar's been yeah. working mm -hmm. a lot on, and that we'll be putting, continue to put, you know, provide more value for yeah. the people. I mean, the people that are gonna the ten thousand two hundred twenty six people that you know will have bought the NFT that will fund this film, there, there will always be this like special relationship that, you know, that, that they will share with Yes Theory and being the first group of people that have, you know, believed in this so much that they actually put, you know, put their money in it. But um, I mean, another, another way we've actually been able to make sure that our intentions are very, are very clear and that's displayed through the way we're doing the project is that we made the NFTs non-transferable until the film. Mm. comes out yeah because we don't want it to be just a game of speculation or right. the price mm. just completely rises to and we've seen that happen recently with with a couple of creator projects that we just like we want people we want the sense of value in the project to be derived from the actual thing that will come out and that's the the very real tangible thing that people will get out of you know this nft a film that will be in theaters and on youtube in 2022. I mean, I think this is really exciting. And obviously the project's live right now. So you can click in our description, check out how it's going. Mm -hmm. uh, the project is live, <laughs> but it's like- a, That's actually crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's so nerve-wracking. That's like, yeah. uh, by this time it's live. But also just- Really excited. I mean, this is the first time I've talked about this outside of- Right. I mean, the, the, yeah, the yeah. closed doors yeah. of yeah. figuring out how to make this happen. So it's also- like I'm, I'm catching myself like being like, oh my fucking god, <laughs> am I am I saying the right things? Like, yeah, 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 This is the yeah. like this is a big moment for us to be talking about you know this project and everything yeah. else that we're you know that we're building behind I, the scenes. I think at the core of it, like you know how it comes together, as we mentioned, like this is you mentioned this is a great thing you said on Logan's podcast of throwing your backpack over the fence, yeah. right? And like once you throw a backpack over the fence, you have no choice but to go and get it. Yeah. And I think you've always done a really great job. And I think you guys as a brand have done a really great job with that. And this is a moment where you're doing it. And at the time we're recording this, like the backpacks <laughs> over the fence, but you haven't yet gone all the way over. Yeah. And the thing that I think is what the most important part of this that I think you guys have always prioritized is that you're not going to compromise on the story and the story is good. Like this movie is very good. It's going to impact people. It's going to be very transformative when people watch this movie how you get there right now with this project, it's going to be the direct relationship with the audience. Yeah. And whatever you guys see at the link in the description, when you click on <laughs> it, is going to be reflective of that. Um, and I can stand here and, and talk about that because I've seen parts of this movie. And I, I've also worked hand in hand with you guys on stories. And I think what's challenging as creators is you're running a business. And a lot of times you have to make decisions that are for the business. And one thing that I've always noticed with you guys that I think can be frustrating from a business perspective is you guys make a lot of decisions where you prioritize story, brand, product before you prioritize business. And I, I think that, I don't want to speak out of turn if you guys feel differently, but I think that's actually why your brand has lasted so long. 
-hmm. is because you prioritize the audience's experience, the storytelling, all of that above everything else. I think it's, it's also like the framing that you have about your own longevity. Like if you're, yeah. if you feel insecure about, about sure. your own longevity in this, you're going to try and collect all the chips, you know, in, in, yes. in one go. Mm. But for us, we've always seen this as a very, like, it's a very, very long, I mean, you know, like yeah. the context of a thousand years, if yesterday were to last a thousand years, how would I think about it right now? And I think that's always, you know, yeah. pushed us to really think in, in, in a in very differently about what we're doing and in a way that allows it to live beyond us and, and to create that longevity in it. I feel like your guys' pulse too is always mission-based, goal-based, whether mm -hmm. it's the jump, whether it's Wim Hof, uh, whether it's seek discomfort, like that's where I feel like you guys get your energy as I look at you. And it's not, oh, this video is making this much money in AdSense. Mm -hmm. It's not right, that. And right, some yeah. creators that is, like that they're building a business and the product happens to be video and that can be fine. But for you guys, the pulse is like pulling off something crazy. Yeah, right. And that's what drives the energy, mm. first and foremost. Mm. On that note, I'm pulling another question from Spark. Um, what's something you're battling right now that I can't see? And I'm going to answer it first because of that. I think something that I'm battling in this moment is the ever-present fear that all of this will go away. Mm. That we've achieved a dream that we've always wanted, but we might not be able to hold on to it. Mm. And I think as creators... Creating with fear is really, really dangerous mm -hmm. um, because of what it does to your decision-making. And so something that I'm battling with right now is our recent growth and the fear of not being able to sustain it or this mm -hmm. not being a long-term career. That's mine too. The fear of me personally not being able to handle the career that I'm building for myself, mm -hmm. which is a strange feeling because you're yeah. working every day to build this house. Mm -hmm. And then you wonder, am I going to be in it and, and thinking, I'm actually not up to this challenge. Mm. Spark. <laughs> That's deep. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I, th I feel like a lot of probably YouTube creators feel that way because, yeah. I mean, how many creators have existed on the platform for more than 10 years? Like, not that many, right? right. That are still top healthy of their game and, and yeah, healthy yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. like look happy. You know? yeah. <laughs> Damn, yeah. you know, there's not. So I think it is, it's also we're going into unknown territory because yeah. YouTube hasn't existed for that long. So, we're some of the first creators to really build sustainable careers out of this. Yeah. And so there isn't like a blueprint that you can look at and turn to and be like, here's how these things can happen and fall into place. You know, I mean, even last year, last year, you guys felt it like the, oh, yeah. the space completely changed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay, now this is a completely different opportunity in a good way. Yeah. Um, but you know, you couldn't have predicted that the year before. So it's, I think it's constantly ad adapting to this changing world. Yeah. And then, you know, I guess in that way, also not letting the numbers <laughs> like yeah. to get to your head too much. Which um, is really hard because that's your, it's like the, the metric of, of validation at some yeah. point. Yeah. But I would say that one of the things that combats this fear for me is the team that we're building. And the guys in this room, the full team that we have, because we, what happens is like when things when something doesn't go well, right? When like an episode doesn't do as well or- I scream at everyone. Yeah, yeah, Colin just goes <laughs> nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Dictator Colin, we, yeah. all, we all know yeah. that guy. <laughs> but when an episode doesn't do as well, we look at, you know, I, I look at it as almost this level of, it's not necessarily on one person, right? Or it's not on, on us or we as creators are not inadequate. We come in and say something in our process was broken. 
And that process is representative of the whole team. And so we get to then sit down together and say, let's reflect on that. What, what did we miss in this process? And then let's, let's build the process again. When it was just us, that was really overwhelming. When it was just Colin and I, and we were sitting there like, well, this is not going well. And the process is just you and I trying to edit so videos. So we did something so wrong. We are, you know, and mm. I think uh, now we can just say they did. Something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, it's all Jesse. Yeah. But yeah, um, Jesse. <laughs> I'm curious for you guys, like we hear a lot about, we see the adventures. We see a lot of this expansion making a movie right now. The Disney map is expanding, mm -hmm. right? There's a clothing brand that exists almost on its own. There's a card game that's coming out. There's a book that's being written. Like the, the Disney map is expanding. What does the team of Yes Theory look like? And how does, how does this whole ship operate? I think um, that's a great question. Um, much like you guys, expanding our team has actually, and empowering them also has been like very revitalizing. You know, I think we also, we had a very capable team that was still very much dependent on Amar and I making certain decisions. And like the exercise this year has been, how do we flip, you know, like if we had a bit more of a rigid, like pyramid structure of like Amar and I making a lot of the big decisions, how can we flip that so mm -hmm. that we can have more, you know, ideas and decisions and, and thoughts coming from the entire team who are all very creative, who have seen us work and who are very familiar with where we, what direction we want to go and how we like to tell stories. And, um, it's been actually incredible to get more, more input. And we recently, uh, something you helped us do as well, hired a head of operations. Um, we took a bet, you know, of, <laughs> of, of wanting to try a different structure. Yeah. A lot of, most creators have a manager who works uh, typically on a handful of other, uh, you know, clients as well and takes commission. And for us, what was the way that we we've always looked at yes theory is this is um this is a company it's not we're not you know talent that then has the business structured outside of the entity and so um you know the direction and the bet that we're taking is can we build out a more traditional looking uh, you know media company with operations person eventually marketing and partnerships and all of these things that are inside of our building that are on on salary and that are incentivized on you know in, in other ways. And then instead of having, um, you know, a more traditional management setup. And so that's a bet that we're taking on ourselves to figure out how can we double down and really, you know, not go from being a YouTube channel to being a media conglomerate that has all of these different, mm -hmm. you know, businesses, services, communities that are all interconnected. Um, and that has a team that's constantly thinking about how do we bring the community more value and how do we allow them to get even more interconnected than they are right now? Because I think with COVID, there was a huge interruption in that. And I think we've struggled keeping up with delivering on some of the promises we had made just because we couldn't have live events. We couldn't do all these things that we had actually scheduled on, on making happen. And so, you know, now we're, we're kicking back all of these projects into gear and it feels like a second life in a way, you know, they, they say, um, I don't know if this is super accurate, but seven years is like, could be a startup cycle. And so, you know, now we're, we're coming up on seven years and beginning a new cycle. And it feels like all of these projects of wanting to potentially open up hostels around the world, you know, wanting to open up community spaces where people can interact and creating these card games and, and apps and all of these ideas that, that we've had, we're actually doing it now and picking it back up from where we left off in 2020 when COVID hit. And that is, super exciting. And that is requiring us to let go of some mm. of the, you know, decision-making 
control that we've had because we operated from a place of like, just like you guys, it was the two of you in an edit, you mm -hmm. know, looking at how to make all the decisions and now having a team and thinking, okay, how do we almost not waste all of our time by putting them in a position where they can make decisions and run with these ideas and projects and then see where they can take it. Um, you know, the, the most rewarding thing has been seeing people thinking about projects or ideas in a way that I hadn't even, hadn't even crossed my mind. And that to me has been incredible. Um, I think what's amazing and what's sort of maybe different about our different channels is that you guys in all of your videos trust people. Like that's like the basis of the videos is like, can I trust a stranger? Can I trust someone <laughs> else? And that to me carries through so much to how you've built your company, whether it was starting Seek Discomfort or where you are now with hiring a head of ops, that like it also is trusting people. And I think that's something that you guys have been doing for a long time. How do you, how has your experience been with building a team? Because I think a lot of creators who are getting to this point, they know like, oh, I, I should build a team, but hiring and managing is like a whole other world, right? Mm -hmm. It's a whole other skill set, mm -hmm. especially for guys who are traveling constantly. Like, is, is there like a, like, mm -hmm. there's not really like a centralized, you know, uh, as other media company, you'd be like, all right, we're in this office every day. Like maybe you have to go to a business trip for a bit, but like right. you're moving a lot. And so like balancing this concept of, you know, we're, we're, we have to go and do these experiences we're authentically excited about, but then we're also building a, an ever growing team right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Um, how has that experience been and what advice do you have to creators who are starting to expand? Um, I think, I mean, th that was a huge challenge for us last year. And luckily we had some help from, from Samir who helped us make sure there was a bit of stability and when we would leave and do trips. Um, but, you know, I think what was becoming hard is as you, as you expand, as you hire editors and producers, uh, the amazing thing is your time opens up, but now you you end up being in a position of needing to manage these employees, right? Like you can't just, they need to know what the plan is, what the schedule is, what the deliverables are. It was much simpler when you just had to figure it out, you know, with a handful of your friends and you live together and you just gotta, you're constantly in touch with what's going on and learning how to communicate. Um, even when we leave for a week or two or a month, you know, and keeping up with making sure people actually know what we're doing, that definitely became a challenge. And I've heard a few creators struggle with, okay, I've, I hired all these people, they've taken so much off my plate, but now I'm, I feel like a manager and it wasn't what I wanted to do in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. And I consider myself more an artist and I'm now like, a, yeah, like I'm learning how to manage employees and give feedback and I've had to hire and fire. And that, as you said, it's a completely different skill set. And I think I, I, I haven't, I've enjoyed doing that, but I do feel it really got in the way of my own creativity. I mm -hmm. feel like it's, it's, I felt like I was living two completely different lives. I had like my left brain, okay, logistics and production and difficult conversations and all of that. And I'm more like kind of calm and collected and like, you know, trying to organize everything in my brain and make it all work. And then my right side is a little more, you know, I want to have a completely open schedule. I don't want to have meetings and anything going on. And it takes a bit of time to shift from one to the other. It's very hard to be like left brain organized and then, go on an adventure and like right. be spontaneous. It's right. really difficult to cut between those two states. I think some people are able to do it, but for me it was getting draining. I was kind of felt like I had to choose. It felt like I had two completely different jobs, right? And that was the movement towards hiring a head of operations person to take off some of these left brain, 
you know, qualities and, and, and requirements that our team now has to stay in touch and know what we're doing and, and be, keep track of the direction. And so that I can lean more into my, lean back into my creative, like right side of my brain, where I actually feel most fulfilled and most needed. But without the, without the structure, everything else kind of crumbles and the, the team gets less efficient and it gets a little too chaotic. So I had to fill that role temporarily. And now the past couple of months, I've been able to breathe and explore creative ideas again, which has been super fulfilling. And I think a lot of creators are probably going to run into that issue. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it depends on, on, on the scale of, of your operation and how ambitious, you know, you are with how you want to do things. Um, you know, I know that Ryan Trahan, Ryan Trahan let go of a lot of people because it got too complicated. He right. ran into the issue of he became a manager and he was like, I don't want to be a manager. Yeah. You know, I want to be a guy who makes videos. So now he, he stripped down his operation so much that it's way simpler. And he's actually, I mean, He's on a rocket ship now. He's on a yeah. rocket ship. Yeah. He's, on a He's rocket never ship. done yeah. better, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think it's important to, if you are going and scaling in a direction that you don't feel is actually what you want to be doing, you know, and your, your, your job and what you do on a daily basis has completely shifted, to reconsider and make sure the direction you're going is really where you want to go, right? right? Mm -hmm. Because I think it, it can get easy to, as you have a YouTube channel that's growing, growing to fall in the idea of, oh, I have to, now I have to do this and now I have to do that and I have to hire this person and, I don't know. I think few people actually stop and wonder, do I really want to build, you know, an empire right now? You know, or do I want to, <laughs> do I want to just make videos, you know, yeah. like keep it simple and enjoy myself and have an impact at the scale that I'm at. And for every person, the answer is going to be different. Um, but I think a more, like a more general slash practical piece of advice would be probably that focus on hiring the person who's going to hire. Right. Right. Like if yeah. you are, if you are seeking this expansion then make sure that you're not just hiring a bunch of people and completely disregarding the fact that they will need your time and attention to, to, to figure out how they're going to set up their the things that they work on. So, you know, for us making, being more strategic about, you know, the person that we just hired is going to be responsible for a lot of the hiring yes. that we're mm -hmm. going to be doing down the line. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. That's a really great point. Um, and I think also though, like for me as a person who considers themselves an entrepreneur, someone who really enjoys the business side of YouTube, I find it near impossible right now to do both sides. Mm. And to the point where I'm recognizing that I need to lean all the way into the videos mm. and we need to unlock that side too. Mm. Um, because I think as creators, like your job is to be the creator. Yeah. If that's what you really enjoy doing. And I really do enjoy the process of being a creator mm -hmm. and um, you, you do a little bit have to choose. It is super hard to go straight out of a meeting into a brainstorm or out of a tense conversation into deciding on a thumbnail. Do you feel yeah. like you were hiding in the business? Yes. Back in, yeah. Cause I feel like you've definitely I, unlocked a new part of yourself that where you're like un, the uninhibited, like full in, all in creator. Yes. Yeah. I think I was terrified that if I tried to be the creator, I would fail. Yeah. And that I just wanted to lean on what I could be in this world. Because you were like, you guys knew these guys' numbers, like their monetization. <laughs> they were some of like the best monetized because obviously like, you know, both have business backgrounds. Yeah. They sold a company before yeah, yeah. and that was like, that was their bread and butter. So they knew, they knew how to make a very good living out of having yeah. less than a hundred thousand subscribers. Right. So, but it's almost now it, it hit me. I was like, wow, maybe you were just doing 
going so hard on that because you were, yeah. I was terrified, right? Like yeah. it's, there's so much insecurity around failing as a creator because it's also incredibly public. Yeah. You're not yeah. failing behind closed doors. You're failing in front of everyone. Yeah. Right too. I think I internalized a lot of that, that you didn't want to be a part of videos. Right. And I was like, oh, that's just like not a future for Samir. So right. like, that's just not what he's interested in. Right. Is how I took it was, yeah. even but, though yeah. I knew that the business side was like, incredibly important yeah. and that I was not going to like, I did not have the chops to like build that side of the business. I could help and support. Mm. Um, so it was necessary, but I think I internalized it in a way that probably wasn't even true. Mm. Spark. Spark. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think like yeah. that's, that's really important as a creator. Like you're not getting the validation from the, you're, you're confused where you're supposed to get validation from. And for me, it was either going to be through viewership or dollars in the bank account. Yeah. Those are the only two places I could understand validation. Whereas today as a creator, I can look at it and look at the way I look at validation. And, and if I'm fulfilling this dream is actually just what my day looked like at the end of the day. Mm. Did I look back and have fun doing this thing? Cause like we all chose to do this cause it's fun yeah. cause it's fulfilling to tell stories cause it's exciting to tell stories. And when you look back at the day and you're like, that was the dream day. Like even this right now, we're sitting together and talking about creativity. This yeah. is the best thing. This is the thing I want to do. So if I walk away at the end of this and I'm like, that's amazing. And I'm supporting this lifestyle of doing that, then that is fulfillment. Mm. Um, and I think that that gets really confusing on YouTube. What is it? Is it the dollars? Is it the views? And both right now at this moment in time in YouTube basically have no limits. The amount of viewership mm. you can get, the amount of dollars you can make on YouTube it almost has no limits. It's yeah. just like this ever expanding universe. Mm. It's just your time. That's it's just your time. Yeah. Mm. Because I'm sure you guys have this too. Opportunities come in every day. There's every a million day. things you could be doing. Yeah. Right. And it's just on you to choose how to, it's a wonderful place to be. Like it's a very privileged place to be, to be like, let me choose my, my path, my mm. future. But yeah. then it also like, it's on you to hope that you enjoyed it yeah. and to assess yeah. and like check in with yourself. Mm such an unnatural process for the brain too. all this yeah all of that happening all the time and i mean as you started off by talking about the toxicity of just like the space of being a creator right now and like you're putting yeah you're giving a ranking from one to ten every freaking video that yeah. you're posting yeah. <laughs> and it's your constant reminder yeah. that you're and, 10 out of 10 and they, th that makes it feel like it's objective yeah like this is an objectively bad video or <laughs> yeah. this is an objectively good video where actually creativity and all of this is subjective yeah you could also be extremely excited um about the impact of one of your videos even if it had less viewership right and i think like valuing that is so important for context hard. for yeah. context creator studio gives creators on each video that they post a ranking for, and it will tell you like, oh, 20% less viewers chose to watch your video. <laughs> found or it like, less interesting. Found yeah. it less that's interesting. Like, that's like, the sometimes I'm like, what is that language? Yeah. Who's fucking doing this copy? <laughs> what the hell? Found it less yeah. interesting. 100% of people think you suck. <laughs> yeah. Your career is over. Try again. Have you had that doomsday feeling ever of like, oh, Okay, cool. This is all over. Oh yeah. A few times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it is such a fascinating feeling as a creator. Yeah. It, it happens to me like more often than I'd like to admit yeah. of someone who like does a lot to try and keep myself in a space of like, you know, what I just talked about that like if my days are, <laughs> are fulfilling, then I'm happy. Um, but there's days where I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like this was a sham. Like we're imposters, right? Like this, we aren't actually, this is, this shouldn't be happening to us. Mm. Um, that like doomsday feel of like, it's all over. Yeah. Cause it's hard. It's there, hard. there aren't other ways to measure 
quantify the quality of the video outside of numbers. That's the only way we figured out really how to measure it. And you can try and read through the numbers and see the impact and maybe read comments or maybe some people come up to you on the street yeah. and mention that specific video, but right. it's, we don't have great other ways to measure it. And I think, I mean, I've definitely felt that way. You know, when you have a, a couple of really low ranking videos back to back, that's mm -hmm. hard, you know, Super and then hard. especially when you put a lot of, when you did put a lot of effort and care into the video and it doesn't click, um, or people didn't really take it, didn't really understand the, the intention fully behind it, then it's like, okay, damn, <laughs> how do we come around now and like, you know, get a whole new level of excitement to create, to continue creating. Sometimes it can take a little bit of steam out of you. Mm -hmm. And I think the weekly cycle for us became very difficult for that reason, because, you know, you, we posted on Sundays and then on Monday we were already talking about the next one. And then you're in this loop you know, mm -hmm. constantly. And like your, our entire week was <laughs> just based on that. Yeah. You know, every day of the week had a different purpose, right? Like thumbnail on Wednesdays and like Mondays was planning. Tuesdays was like going over the edit and then film Thursday, Friday, Saturday, post Sunday. And then, and then you're back at it. And I've also been with you in the past when you were in that weekly cycle on a Sunday, having breakfast after the video came out where you were refreshing YouTube studio. Yeah. And you were like, should I change the thumbnail? It only has 300,000 views. And I was like, uh, it's been out for two hours, dude. <laughs> 300,000 people have watched it. Yeah. Like, and, and there is that feeling of just like, okay. Like, and we have that when we release a video too, instantly we're like, okay, what do we need to change? You're Something chasing a moving target yeah. too, in multiple ways. Like hopefully yeah. over time you're getting a bigger audience. So you're getting, you know, 300,000 views in two hours at some point yeah. will feel like not enough yeah. because of your trajectory, which is strange. And then also you're chasing an audience, which for any number of reasons feels differently on that given Sunday mm. that like, you know, I don't yeah, know, maybe squid game just came out. Yeah, like, I'm going to watch that. Yeah. You know, who mm. knows? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I've had to like detach myself a little bit from feeling so invested in it. And so right. now I delete YouTube studios when we post <laughs> and I let it sit for at least you know, ideally like 24 hours, you know, unless I have yeah. like a, another backup thumbnail idea that I feel like I really wanted to test on that first day. Um, but the tough thing is we had set it up so that Sundays would be our day off. Right. Now saying it in hindsight, it sounds crazy. And it's also the day we were posting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the only rest day. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole day it's we're the like, the day your day channel is actually stressful. like live yeah, and active yeah, yeah, is yeah. technically yeah. your off day. Yeah. Right. yeah. Which yeah. made no sense, you know, but that's actually how we had structured our weeks. Right. Um, and so now uploading a little bit less and um, trying to be more intentional with how we live our lives, how we structure these things mm -hmm. and how we measure, you know, w whether a video did well or not. And so what you said about yeah. the process is something we're, we're trying to shift as well. You know, we were initially starting the year with should we have views as a success metric internally, you know, that we try mm -hmm. and benchmark how well a video did. And we decided not to go for that. Um, and instead think about, did we do all of the steps of the process really well, right? Did we do the thumbnail really well? Was the title and, mm -hmm. and premise, the why behind the video very strong? Mm. Did we feel, you know, like connected when we were filming, you know, were we present? Like are all of these boxes ticked? And I think that's a much better thing to measure because that you can actually control, that you can actually improve and change yeah. in the future, right? Like mm -hmm. if the video didn't do well because you didn't really take the time to work on the thumbnail and it was a bit rushed, that is an easier thing to swallow than like 
okay, it didn't do well. We don't really know why. And <laughs> maybe people don't want to watch our channel anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's it much harder. Yeah. It was a good run. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good it run. It was a good run is a thought that goes yeah. through my head all the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, unbelievable we made it this far. Yeah. <laughs> and Amara, I think you, you know, now moving to something that's going to be on YouTube with the doc, but something that is almost an off YouTube project, right? Yeah. Like, do you have that same thought around you know, making this film is like, is it the process of the film? Like, how do you, how do you look at, at expanding yes theory into the world of, of non-traditional YouTube content? And energy, <laughs> the energy, energy in which, yeah. yeah, the energy in which we, that is going into whatever creative process of whatever yeah. product that I'm working on. It's like, what's the energy behind them? Who are the humans behind it? Because yeah. at the end of the day, as you said, your day is compromised of these yeah. moments that you get to share with these humans. Yes. So, if I can pick the right humans because otherwise you're gonna your day is just gonna suck and and the consistency of that is what makes people unhappy and and I think for for me I just it was specifically that production meeting with the streamer that made me think about that because I thought oh my god the this is a stand-in meeting that was set that was already on my calendar for the next uh, twenty something weeks because that was set yeah. as the, the the time we're gonna all have a check-in and I just pictured myself walking out of every meeting, just going straight to him being like, I, it's all censored. And I was just like, I don't, I, yeah. that's not what I want. And I would rather be working with exactly who I want to work, be working with. And, you know, right now we're getting the, the film is being edited by the same guys yeah. that, you know, made a video when we offered to help a business, a struggling business right. during COVID. We ended up picking this production company out of, Copenhagen that made a Seek Discomfort commercial and then that evolved into them helping me make Free Child, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. the, the short film that I made with Google last year. And then and then that evolved into them being the editors of, you know, this documentary now. So it's, that's the kind of energy, that's the kind of story that's, yeah. I mean, you know how much I care about that. And, yeah, and even do. like, you know. I think your care about that has made me recognize how to value that, mm. you know, and like really understand that like, sure. Yeah. Big check is exciting, but how's your life going to be for the next couple of weeks? Mm. Right. Like how's, is your day-to-day -day life what you want it to be? Because all of this success in, in this world is just an opportunity to do more of it. Yeah. So if you don't exactly. like what you're doing exactly, and then you get an opportunity to do more of that, you're still not going to like it. Yeah. So you have to actually get yourself into a place. And even like this show, I think you guys even know over the past five, six years or however long we've known each other, having a conversation has been our most, it, the most exciting thing that yeah. we've had with creators. Yeah. And we've done this long before we had this show. Yeah. And so then making this the thing we do is like, oh, we, if we get more opportunities to do this, yeah. that would be amazing. So, and there were some videos we were making where they would, get a million views. And we were like, we don't want to do that again. You know, mm. I don't want to do that again. I want, I don't want to do that. So don't give me an opportunity to do that. Although that then becomes your opportunity. So mm. creating your day, your life, your opportunities, like you can make your own situation. Mm -hmm. I have, you have something to say? Cause I have arguably the most yes theory last question okay. I to ask you. Great. Yeah. I just <laughs> wanted to add that, you know, even though our channel is called yes theory, learning how to say no yes. has been like the most important yeah. lesson Mm -hmm. we've had throughout that's like my year this year is like dedicating mm -hmm. dedicated to learning how to say if you say no. yes to everything you're actually not saying yes to anything because you're not prioritizing anything really in your personal life as well and um yeah you know we, we had a friend who said you know when you 
when you when you do say no, you say no here, but you say yes to yourself. Mm. And I think we talked about that as well. Did. Yeah, and I think that's a really powerful thing to to remember. And I think Amar's always been very clear with yeah. with that, right? Yes. Like making sure that there is a deep sense of integrity in, in each decision. And mm. even though that this moment, you know, in the short term felt like walking away from $1.25 million. <laughs> Sounds like a good title, though. But you know, at, at the end of the day, that you know, very quickly the door opened of could we create a Web three version of you know the financing of this yeah. that feels much more exciting, and you know, so I think when you operate from a place of abundance and you you trust your own sense of intuition and you trust that saying no to something doesn't mean it's the end of your career or end of your life, yeah. you know, or necessarily this relationship is over, you're just you know, showing that you respect yourself and, and your, your own intuition further. And Amar's always been pushing us. And yeah, yeah I came close. across this on spark. Uh, it says, what, what was, what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? And I, um, immediately thought about one time we had dinner in New York and you said that exact same thing to me and you did the thing, yeah. this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and you say, no, here, you're saying yes here. And I was like, wow, from the yes guy, that's, that's good advice. Yeah. Like, that's, that's good. Um, the power of the no, I think is, is really important and actually practicing it. Like there was a piece of advice that I got as well around like write out a email response of how you would say no. Mm. So mm. that you already have, it's not overwhelming when someone asks you to do something and you can think about how to say it in a thoughtful way of like, I am focusing on this project right now. I would love to do that, but it's just not in my you know, time. Like I'm not being an asshole to you. I just, I need, I need this time for myself. There was just something that yeah, hit yeah. me that I feel compelled. Cause like, as you were saying that and you were, you know, giving me credit of being able to do that in the, on a business level or in a, on an organization mm -hmm. level, I actually felt, feel like I've been doing a terrible job to do that in my personal life. And this is why it's mm -hmm. like, this is a big moment of shifting for me where I'm learning how to say no rather than not respond. It's like, you yeah. had a question, uh, the yeah. question was like, what is something that you're working on in the background or yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. something you're battling that, that we yeah. can't see? Yeah. 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 It's, it's basically figuring out how to, to not just completely like abandon my communications with, with, with friends and learn mm -hmm. how to say no or decline an opportunity, uh, because of just like, it feels like it completely, it completely gone out of control. And I, so yeah, I just, yeah, it's, a really so good it's interesting that it's like I can, on organization level, I'm like able to do it, but yeah, on my yeah. personal life, I'm yeah. actually really bad at that. Yeah, that, so. I think that starts for a lot of people probably in within the confines of work. Mm -hmm. like I, I even I remember hearing that you, Thomas, sometimes wouldn't go to certain speaking engagements or events and that you and Matt would go. Mm. And even you doing that gave me sometimes the ability to say to myself, okay, I don't need to go to everything. I don't have to be. Maybe there's right. a better place for me to be. Mm. And it starts in work and then I think it, it illuminates it at least for me, I illuminated in my personal life that mm -hmm. I also was just sort of like saying yes to things out of guilt yeah. to go to make that person happy to be at that thing. Yeah. When really right. I don't, I don't think I want to be at that thing. I want to mm. have that time for me. Mm. But the next step is communicating that. Yeah. Cause I definitely <laughs> yeah. don't always do that. And yeah. they probably it, assume that guy doesn't like me. Mm. Yeah. Oh my God. But that's yeah. not the case. Yeah. Like I just don't want to go to it, that specific thing for any other reason that I, that I just want to be with myself for some other thing. Mm. It, and I think all of this is like, it requires practice. Mm. And that's the thing you don't think about. You don't think like, should I practice saying no? Mm. You know, should mm -hmm. I write it out in a Google doc and just see what it feels like to, to mm. write a text back to someone right now? You know, it's like, it's, it's such an important thing, especially when you are 
doing something like we're all doing, trying to bring a dream to life, like you need that time uh, for yourself a lot. And you do have to say no every day. Yeah. It's like, it's terrifying. It's overwhelming. There's, it's, yeah, it's That's the plot the twist of yes theory. It's right. actually more about learning. <laughs> it's more yeah. about How to say no. All right. If you died today, what's one thing you wish you would have done? I think everyone should answer this question. Yeah. Wow. Um, if it's, uh, is it today? Die today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have wished that I have done the pilgrimage with my uh, mom and dad, which is a, just a dream that I've, that I, that I have and something that I hope to make happen in the next couple of years. So I would, yeah, that, that would probably be the, the thought on my mind if I knew that, okay, on this skydive, I'm not, <laughs> there's no parachute. That would be what I'm thinking about. Um, just because I feel like I feel very happy and fulfilled with what I've been able to do in this life and even toward complete strangers. But I feel like there's still a lot more for me to do towards my family given how far I've been living and my history with just the relationship that I had with my family. So that's, yeah. That's a great answer. Um, My answer is also family related. I've been wanting to do a trip individually with my mom and my dad. Um, So with them separately, I I think I've been having an urge to get to know them a bit better as an adult. You know, we talk on the phone Mm -hmm. as like catching up, you know, as parents and son, but we don't, like I haven't been able to go super deep with them necessarily individually. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think there's a, I have had, and we've talked about it, but we just haven't made it happen. So if I were to die today, I think that would be definitely something I would, I would regret. So they're both turning 60 in a month. So I'm hoping that maybe this is the year where I'll get to do at least one of the two trips, mm-hmm. hopefully both. Um, but that's been a big bucket list item for me that I would want to make happen. That's very similar to mine, which is to have a long uh, conversation potentially recorded with each of my parents individually. Because mm. I find that as I, as I do this, I'll learn more about people, about their lives than I know about my own parents. Mm. And the older they get, the older I get, the more I have going on, I start to forget even the intricacies of their childhood and their mm. upbringing. Mm. You know, that when I think about it, I don't know that much. It's you really start cool. to like lose yeah. it. Yeah. Especially with not being with them all the time. That's a goal of mine for sure. We'll hold you accountable to that. I'll ask yeah, you about yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Also, uh, yeah, something that I forgot to mention when I was talking about the documentary is that actually Colin is going to edit the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know yet. That's so, actually his answer. That's that if he died today, he'd be upset no. if he didn't edit the full <laughs> doc. Big yeah. time. You have 30 days. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm lucky to live in the same city as my parents. Um, and I got to experience a few things with them, like traveling back to India with them and like some pretty amazing things. I always want to spend more time with them, but I spend a lot of time with my parents. Um, I would say for me, if I died today, I'd be really disappointed that I didn't live in another country for a long period of time. Mm. And, and like when I was younger, I traveled a lot. And then in my twenties, I think out of a out of a lot of fear um, and also a lot of just social pressure, I started a business at 21 years old and that rooted me in Los Angeles. And now at 32 years old, I I look back and I'm like, I never, never left. Mm. I was just here. Mm. And so much of who I am is because of the experiences I've had meeting people, experiencing other cultures um, and seeing the world. And I feel like I've limited my perspective, um, right now. And, and I, I look ahead at like being married and, and having a family and thinking like, is that possible? Or is that 
not possible anymore. Everything is possible, my okay, friend. Okay, yeah. Yes. I'm talking to the guy. I'm talking <laughs> yeah, to yeah, more. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, everything is possible. You're going to, you, you could raise your, the, your, you know, your child in, in somewhere else for the first few years of her, his life. Yeah. Uh, knowing that, that, you know, Indian family is probably going to be very hard to yeah. raise the first grandchild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Away from the family. But yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Just bring them with you. Yeah. Where, where would be a place that you would see yourself living in? Europe, for sure. Like I've spent, I spent time in, in Brazil and in India. I spent time in South Africa. Um, I've traveled through Asia and my limited time in Europe. I mm. was, I, I remember sitting at one point I was in traveling through Europe for two weeks and I sat at a cafe and someone said, Oh, like what do you, they just started talking to me, which I, first of all, was like, this is incredible that this family just turned and started talking to me. And they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, I'm just on vacation uh, with my friend just traveling for two weeks. And they were like, two weeks? What kind of vacation is two weeks? Yeah. And I was <laughs> That's like- That's the most European answer. Yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, tell me, tell me more. What's, <laughs> that felt like the longest possible vacation I could take. Yeah. And they were on a three month experience oh, wow. together as a family. And I started to learn in Europe that life is prioritized so 100%. much more than work. Yeah. And I would love to experience a world where that exists mm. because I think being an immigrant in being part of an immigrant family in America, the, the, the our, all dialed up. our context <laughs> was we're here to make it, mm. you know, the context was not, we're here to, to experience to life, life or enjoy <laughs> life. The context was we're here and we're going to fight tooth and nail to make it. Yeah. And to, to shake some of that is really challenging. That's embedded in me too. So to experience an environment where people are just like, we're here to enjoy. Mm. I would love to experience what that's like for yeah. a long period of time. Mm. Like, what does that feel like to sit in a, in a, in a space where everyone's like, life is about enjoying. It's like, yeah. Live uh, in America is live to work. Yeah. Europe is work to live. Yes. Kind of, yeah. That'll take practice too, to allow that's yourself hard. to do that. Oh man. That's yeah. hard. I don't even know. I, that's why for me, that feels like the most uncomfortable situation of, of, of anything is mm. to just experience life as like, being present and being like, I'm here in these moments and I'm not super concerned about yeah. other things like that it is a dream to me. Yeah. So that would be what I'd be upset. I never experienced. Mm. Should we pull another one? Yeah. Pull another one, man. Pull it Let's up. Get, we haven't pulled. Let's spark it up. Let's spark. That has a different <laughs> connotation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that felt right. Yeah. 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 Let's spark one up. Wow. Okay. Like, these are really great. To your own questions. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, wow, this is a sick game. This is a great game. What is this game? These questions are so profound. Seedyscomfort.com. <laughs> Ooh, what is one lesson our conversation taught you about yourself? God, that's good, Amar. Uh, for me, it illuminated. I don't think I've ever said it out loud that I, I like hid behind the, the guise of business uh, to be a part of this world when I actually wanted to be a creator. Mm -hmm. uh, so thank you. Thank you, boys. Yeah, <laughs> that was one. great. That's a great yeah. one. Strong answer. Yeah, I <laughs> that. Damn, I gotta say something really deep. <sighs> and I think, I, I think additionally, just that, like, um, that I am still insecure about that. Mm. You know, I am still insecure about going all in of being like a creator. Mm. But that's what I actually want. So, yeah. No, I, as I said, like, I think the world is seeing it right now and it's gonna continue to just yeah people it's you've put so much energy and intention into, into what you guys have been doing and it's been in development for for 10 years yeah so have faith and as you said what's most important is is your own construction of your day of yeah. your day 
not what it represents to a bunch of people that you just will right. never meet. <laughs> right. I, I think for me, it's probably that I still battle with being comfortable at this table. Mm. And this is where I work. And I spoke about it earlier with like being worried about, can you, can you handle the house that living in the house that you're building? Mm. And I can feel it when I sit here that like, sometimes I'm nervous. I'm not completely comfortable, but it's always worth it in the end. I enjoy it. I enjoy the conversations. I enjoy putting out the videos, but that it's, it's okay to not be a hundred percent comfortable in, in what I've chosen yeah. to do mm. that. Hopefully I'll get more comfortable over time. And I still, I have, right? Like when we started out, it was very uncomfortable. So it's getting more comfortable, but there are still internal battles with my level of comfort with, with this job sometimes. Mm. Do you think it's a, a confidence? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Or is it like you're, I think it's like, it's sitting here from a place of assuming that all three of you are like very confident, mm. but I don't know. If that's no, no like, I mean, I don't know sometimes, that's case, sometimes we mid mid saying something we're like, Holy shit! I have no grasp of where I am and what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, and I, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it gets tricky sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes, like, we'll even have guests on our show, and like you guys and some other guests we've had, where I'm like, well, of course you should be being interviewed, but should I be the one interviewing you? Walking in, like, I felt the same level. I don't know. I hadn't really thought through because we're changing so much. I didn't. Even before we started recording, I was like, I don't know, what are we answering? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what do we say? You know, I don't, I don't know. And so I, I can, I can relate to that. You know, like I think recently something that kind of have peeled off a bit of the layer of self awareness and realizing that there is a deeper issue I have with self confidence and believing that I can really, like, even if something doesn't work out exactly like I wanted it to, I have the capacity to change it and make mm. it better. Mm. Yep. And, you know, I think I do have a, a fear of failure that I hadn't really recognized. Um, mm. And uh, I think it kind of fits with what you were saying as well about like the, the fear of it going away. Yeah. I don't know where it comes from, but it's there. And it can be a mix of confidence and a mix of just. Oh, you're like, raised. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. Spark. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited that, you know, I think this feels like. A, a step where we are putting, you know, our money where our mouth is in terms of empowering people to seek discomfort in their own yes. lives, because, you know, a lot of it has been watching us or building communities online. It's all been virtual and, and the clothing has been a step towards making it non-virtual, but this is really a conversation starter. And I think conversation yeah. is, especially Sparker. now with COVID, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think Connection is something the world needs more than ever. Yes. And not just connecting with the inner circle that you, you know, hung around with to be safe with COVID. But now hopefully as you know, we can, we can continue meeting people in, in safe environments, being able to connect with others is going to be. I think conversation too is like such an accessible way to seek discomfort. Yes. You know, yeah. we all mm -hmm. answered questions that we probably wouldn't have answered. Right. No. And like, it brings us closer. It, it makes us feel more alike. It makes us feel less alone. Mm -hmm. Like conversation is a natural way for you to get out of your comfort zone in an accessible way. Uh, and th that last question you asked us is a very meta question because it's like this conversation yeah. itself yeah. has brought us all yeah. to a new place. Right. Sure. Yeah. So go to seekdiscover.com and you can buy yours. <laughs> I mean, have you guys answered this though? Which one? He, he answered that one. Um, he didn't answer that. Wait, which one? The the one we were all just answering. The Amar hasn't. Oh, what's yeah. something yeah. that yeah. I've learned? Yeah. I, I ha because I focus too much on 
the fact that I, I am unable to say no in my personal life, I maybe dismiss the fact that I, that's something that I've been very uh, careful with and, and on, our, on an organizational level. And it's something mm. that I've always, like, basically what you were saying. I, I don't think I give myself credit or think that I, I do that. Um, also, to answer a question that I know for a fact that will be in the comments, this jacket is from Raga Man <laughs> because every single person asked me, including <laughs> where I got breakfast this morning. And I was like, where'd you get that jacket? And, and Raga Man is actually uh, Samir's family business right. uh, that commemorates the, the, the story of how his dad started family business when he arrived in Venice in the 70s. 1976. Yeah. Mar knows the story. Yeah. There yeah. it is. He's so, better at pitching yeah, it than I am. Yeah. So yeah, this yeah. jacket gets the compliments yeah. everywhere in the world. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, if you're, if you like it, check it out on raga.com. Ragaman, oh, yeah. ragaman.com. I mean, yeah, all of those things. We'll okay. get all of those URLs now. Uh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> trying to think if I've got anything to sell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's your moment. Plug, yeah. Plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Publish. <laughs> Yeah, I'll put a mystery link yeah, in the description. Yeah, I like the I like the floating QR code thing that you've been putting in the middle. Thank That's you, really yeah, really yeah, yeah. fun idea. Um, well, cool guys. I hope we get an opportunity to continue to sit down with you guys always and check in anytime. We're down yeah, the street. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you want to have a spontaneous um, podcast anytime. And I think mm -hmm. like with with all of our dreams that we've kind of set forth of like if we died today, I think like I always feel like if I throw them out towards you guys, there's some energy towards it yeah. happening, oh, right? Yeah. Like. It's something can happen. Yeah. So yeah. we kidnapped a YouTuber and forced him to live in Europe for yeah. three months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, Do you know that? Do you remember when we did pitching pitching YouTubers terrible collab ideas? Yes. So One good. of our favorite. Yeah. The kidnapping a YouTuber for yeah, what was yeah. it? We wanted someone to disappear for six months. For six for months. A year. Yeah. For, yeah. Yeah, for a year. Yeah. We pitched it to Jonah, Jonah from the yeah. Vlog Squad. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. We want you to disappear for a year. And come back. And Did like, you guys uh -huh. pitch Logan in that video? Yeah, you pitched yeah. Logan. Didn't you pitch him that he would sell your merch or and something? That was KSI. I that was KSI. That's a KSI. Yeah. That was, I what think the most, Logan? when people ask me what's the most yeah. uncomfortable thing I've ever done, I think that is probably it. And you know, you've seen KSI go like, you want me to sell your merch? And I was just like, <laughs> uh, never mind. <laughs> I don't want to box you, That's please. Really good. <laughs> I don't box you. <laughs> Honestly, like, I go back to this video to watch it whenever I have a yeah, bad I, day. I watch I, it and I skip the part where I talk to KSI because <laughs> it's so uncomfortable oh, so to good. watch. Uh, That's really I've, good. I haven't texted him or talked to him since. That was the only time we ever talked to him. <laughs> <laughs> I like FaceTimed him and he, I bitched him. I don't know what, just <laughs> the worst oh ideas God. he's ever heard. That's amazing. And then we never talked again. So mm. yeah, that relationship is killer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> We're the, not launching a hydration drink yeah, with yeah, KSI. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think. What's the uh, what's the craziest idea you guys have lined up for this year, or that you know you think you want to do this year, or maybe you don't want to share one of those? What's no, the crazy, definitely. just the craziest idea that you've you've had? I mean, the, the idea that I can think of that is tr that transfers year by year yeah. because we're just waiting for the right partner, the right opportunities to go to space. Um, yeah, I'd like to go in a pod. Uh, to prove that the earth is not flat. <laughs> 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 to just go up that's and the main see. Right? Yeah. 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 That's what this whole thing's been about. And, yeah. and, <laughs> and see the, feel like for, uh, you know, for us, like the most ultimate, like impossible dream yeah. that for the first time in history is actually kind of accessible is yeah. to go to space. That's why there's just, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, what's the word? I can't think of the word. <laughs> Can you think for me, please? <laughs> <laughs> 
It feels more possible than ever. Yeah, it yeah. feels more possible than ever. We've been trying to do it for years. I mean, we looked into it a couple of years ago. I think you walked into a meeting. I did walk into that meeting, yeah. Yeah, we were like- I walked oh, into yeah, one of their brainstorms. And like, tell me about yeah, that. They, were, yeah. they were brainstorming and then it was just like, the title was like, I don't remember what it was. It was like, I went to space or something simple, but I was just like, is this, or maybe like you went to the moon? I don't know. Something was nuts about the title. And I was like, but you guys weren't. <laughs> and meanwhile, you, our titles back yeah. then were like, our trip to New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys weren't joking. I remember I no, walked in the room and you weren't joking. There was you a were, real conversation with the engineer yeah. that did the, the Red Bull yeah. uh, capsule. And we were actually getting like a, a cost uh, yeah. like breakdown from, from him, <laughs> which was a little too much. Right. <laughs> but you know, Someone if this NFT project works. Someone, yeah, bringing a new meaning to going to the moon. Um, someone is going to sponsor that though. You guys going to space, like, come on. I hope so. Someone's going to sponsor that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the idea is still missing something. I don't right. think it's just that that one of us would go to space. Right. Um, so, but it's a good framework for, to be able to take a message and put it out towards a lot of eyeballs that are going to be paying mm -hmm. attention. It's like, it's going to be one of those moments like now that we've got your attention and then we need to figure out what do we want to put behind it? Because it is pretty amazing to have the opportunity to to go to space, but it's a pretty privileged thing to do. So we want to make sure that like, there's just something very real behind it. I love that. And I actually want to ask you to explain something. Mm -hmm. You one time told me about hiding the vegetables. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you can explain that concept. 100%. Um, hiding the vegetables is like one of the core principles we have for how we tell stories, which is, you know, you give someone a plate of broccoli, they're not going to want to eat it. Uh, but uh, maybe you will. I don't know. Or, he eats what? broccoli every night. Oh, you yeah, eat broccoli. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I roasted your diet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, the uh, hide the vegetables idea is basically, you know, that the 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 wholesome and the intentional and and kind of important premise in the story is a little bit hidden. You know, when we used to. 2016, 2017, we do these videos that were very positive and the thumbnail. Inspirational. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, helping a mom for, you know, Mother's Day and like nobody clicked on it, you know. But now instead of thinking about it that way, you know, we might come up with an experience that is more outward facing and feels more flashy and interesting. And helping the mom would be a part of that experience. But it's not the title and thumbnail. It's the 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 intentional and um, you know, caring part of the storytelling that is super important to us. If we feel like the video doesn't have any vegetables, it feels like it lacks that deeper level of connection that I think our audience has gone used to having when they watch our videos. And so um, I think it's a really sm smart thing to think about as a creator, you know, and yeah. because I think there is a level of needing to be mindful of, of your ideas that you distribute to the world for people to be interested in watching them. And if you're only distributing vegetables, I think you can you can build an audience, but they're gonna by default be a lot smaller. And I mean, once like, we yeah. figured that out, like our growth and everything changed. Which I think on a even a, a more public example, you know, Mr. Beast doing Team C's or Team Trees, that was like him hiding the vegetable, like a mm -hmm. massive philanthropic project that was put in the rest, like the big mix of the entertainment that he you know that he mm -hmm. provides on YouTube. So right. in a similar way, you just positivity by itself will not sell. Goodness on its own will not sell. So how do you actually take these things that are the core of what we do and make it and make it more consumable uh, to uh, to an audience of someone that might not care yeah. to, mm. to, yeah. to check that thing out that you want, that you're really passionate about getting them to. Yeah, it's like you'll, you'll throw a party at a stranger's house 
and that looks like, what the hell are they like, you know, what is this? And then there's a level of, you know, connection and depth with the people that were there Mm -hmm. and the the care and intention behind how the event was organized and connection was at the, at the core of it. And that is the vegetables, right? Like you're not doing a project X and (laughs) destroying this (laughs) person's house. And, you know, going to, going to, um, James Thomas just did an experience with wolves. Like he got accepted to wolf pack and it was a whole thing. And, you know, a part of that is the conservation element of talking about, yeah. you know, what we can do to preserve mm-hmm. the, but that's not going to be like how you're leading for a concept sure. and general audience. People, right. people won't care, but you know, or going to biosphere, uh, and then, yeah, there's like yeah. endless yeah. examples, but yeah. it's so like, even for us, our video titled why David Dobrik laughs so much, that'll get people in the door. Yeah. But the video is actually about how his vlog format is the friends sitcom reimagined yeah. for YouTube. But we can't say like, yeah, too David, technical. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's too technical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did that explain it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was good. Okay. Yeah, because I think it's it's think one of the a core, really important concept. Yeah, you know the way that I, I I look at thinking through how to put together a YouTube channel is like there's all these ingredients, and at the end of the day, you have to be the chef that assemble them in the way that best suits you, hmm. right? Like I think being a cook is you follow a recipe to a T and you execute it, and it might be a little bit less good than what the, you know, the recipe mm-hmm. was intending sure. you to, to get to. But I think with, with years of iteration and even seeing all the iterations that you guys went through, you actually learn and understand how all the spices work and how all the different things w- taste and, yeah. and, and what you enjoy. And then you're able to assemble it as a chef, right? Where you are able to improvise a bit throughout and you're much more intentional about the execution. And so for us, Hide the Vegetables is one of the spices that we've chosen to keep you know, as a core part of our recipe that we, you know, find has given us the most amount of fulfillment and connection with, with our audience. And I think every creator out there should just think about what are these ingredients for you mm. that are important that you feel is going to allow you to distribute something that is interesting and unique and gives you a sense of excitement and fulfillment when you make it. And, and that is, I think, meaningful, and that yeah. has like purpose behind it. Absolutely. You know, I think that's, that's something that's always been impressive uh, with how you guys do it. And I think that gives longevity too. Yes. Right? I think when, if you don't feel like there's purpose behind your work at some point, you might hopefully, I mean, you would get to the realization of like, oh, only thinking about growth or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the AdSense money or whatever right. is going to get old. And, and yeah. you know, you're going to get to a point where you're going to have more money than you need. And it's going to be like, what? Okay. So what now? What now? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What is the point of anything that I've done to this, to this point, right? And you've seen some creators burn out because they get there. Mm-hmm. And so I think always thinking about what is the meaning behind what you do, even if it's, you know, you're a comedian and your purpose is you love making people laugh and you love people, you know, making people feel like present through this experience of, of joy and laughter. Like that's fine, right? But mm-hmm. I think it's just about being connected to that and knowing why you do it is important. Makes it easier to get a 10 out of 10 in YouTube studio. Yeah. Because then if you, you say, it, okay, at least the value is there. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. As many people didn't like, people didn't see it yeah. no. as many I, people. But. I also think a lot of entrepreneurs and creators don't take a step back to say like, what do I want in my life? And if you like write it down and then you, even from a monetary perspective, be like, well, how much does that cost? And then like, am I going to be, is that, am I cool once I get there? Yeah. You know, it almost like creates this situation of like, well, what, answer the question, like what's enough? In a world where you can basically, there's endless amounts, Mm. when do you reach enough? Or is that just not a part of the, you know, conversation? Did Scott ask you up there? 
something like imagining yourself. Oh yeah, somebody asked me a, a question recently mm. that really got me thinking, and I'm I still haven't find the answer. But you know, he asked me like, what when you picture yourself future success, whatever that is, even if it's like it doesn't be monetary, but just what does success like of a great life look to you? And then you know maybe it's like sitting with your partner watching the sunset, and you have a dog, and you're on the beach or whatever. Think about that feeling, and how could you get it today? And feel those things internally without those external mm-hmm. stimuli or stimulus around you. So how could you find that inner feeling that you are seeking in the future that you are trying to achieve through this future idea of who you'll be within yourself? Um, yeah, I thought that was a got me, that yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. fucked me up. You yeah. know, I, was like, <laughs> I don't know. You know, like yeah, Colin is uncomfortable. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> um, I think yeah. I was going to call it at Spark. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think the sometimes the um, disheartening, maybe not disheartening. Um, sometimes the at least the disillusion that I had was that hitting a million subscribers or two or three yeah. was going to give me a certain amount of joy or confidence, and it didn't. And then you kind of end up being like, well, what, what do I do now? You right. know. And then the only way to actually find that inner sense of confidence and fulfillment is from within you. And it's the most like classic quote you've heard a million times, but actually living it and experiencing it and realizing it yeah. on your own is a whole other experience. Yeah. You know, there's one, like you can understand something intellectually, like theoretically, but then to apply it within yourself is a whole other. And I think there's often a gap. Yes there between <laughs> I intellectually understand this but then to really internalize it is a different exercise and I think for me you know growth has become less interesting because I've realized it's actually not giving me that much more fulfillment as long as we're able to operate at a scale that we feel is going to allow us to spread the message to as many people as possible and at this point of our careers we're producing work that we're proud of and 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 people are still resonating with it then you know then I'm good Right. Like I don't need more like 10 million subscribers is not going to make me feel better about myself, especially if it's not getting there in the way that I want to get there. Right. And as you said, like if you get 10 million views on a video you didn't want to make, people are going to want you to make that video again. And yes. <laughs> you yeah. know? so it's yeah. like you, you yeah. you're much better off being intentional from the start. And I think that's a something that you have to constantly check back in on. And I find with most most self-development and any of these great any of this great advice you have to constantly, it's something you have to always relearn, learn and relearn, right? And um, I think that's been an interesting part uh, for me of the of the yesterday journey, even the Seek Discomfort journey, you know, like we wear it and, and we started the brand, but I forget it all the time. And to, to remind myself of keeping getting out of my comfort zone as a priority, yeah. um, even if the word and the meaning for it, for, my, for what it means to me can change, um, as long as I have the reminder often, then I know I'll be on track. It's funny to even check in with you guys now and, and talk as if this is, a, you know, like the, the beginning of your next seven year right. chapter. Yeah. Because it still is early. Like I just had a vision of us at like 55. Right. 100%. Fuck yeah. yeah. Yes, Colin. Who knows yeah. at that point what we'll be talking about? A couple of Oscars behind us, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's very, it's, I think uh, you, you did it as a joke, but we, we, we uh, at Svalbard, somebody asked, like, oh, is it about the journey or the destination? And you said the company. 
And I think oh, it's actually- God, that is such a good oh, line. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> that just- <laughs> that, 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 that just- can we can we just off the dome? Can you hit put, me in the stomach? Yeah. Can oh you put God. the? We were all joking in the context, but afterwards we're all Wait, like, "Damn, that, that was actually say that really, again. Good. really say that again." Deep. So Amar brought this when we were in Svalbard. I think somebody asked, "Is it about the journey or about the destination?" And we were actually discussing this, and he comes in out of nowhere and just says, "It's about the company." And we were like, "Because the journey can suck ass, yeah, yeah. but if you have the right company, it doesn't matter." Exactly. Oh my God, guys, that is I gotta insane. show you this from the video. Oh man, I need to like take yeah. a second and walk yeah. outside. Yeah, that was, that's insane. That, that yeah. is so good. Yeah, because I think, you know, and and at that point, you know, doing doing this strange thing of YouTube yeah. and having good company with you guys as, right. as close friends is makes it so much more fulfilling and, and Dude, exciting. I totally agree. I totally agree.